Welcome to The Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people, but not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me, as always, is... Because she's weak! Eddie of Edward is Truth. And today we are talking about the craft. The craft. <laughs> the craft. The craft. The craft. Are we going to be English? The... <laughs> Paul for no reason. We might. Posh. We might, yeah. Posh even. Um, <laughs> maybe there's like a, a an English version of the craft, you know, overseas. <laughs> or it's based on something uh, uh, oh, that was... Oh, is that where England is, overseas? I, I hadn't realized. Oh, okay. Across the pond. <laughs> um, across the pond. Across the pond. They just call it the craft. The craft the UK. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> we're doing the craft, and it was released. Yeah, we are May third, nineteen ninety six. This is oh my god, free scream. Yeah, and it features Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich yeah. of Crazy. Scream fame, but it also Crazy. has Feruza Bulk. Uh, You're looking at me like, is that how I pronounce it? <laughs> What? <laughs> you hesitated. You were like, it also has... No, I know how to pronounce it. Did, <laughs> okay. did I mispronounce it? No, no, no. You didn't mispronounce it. You just paused yeah. like you were hesitating. I'm actually more... Like, okay. I, I'm maybe more hesitant to, to pronounce. Is it Robin Tunney or Tooney? How do you say it? I've only I've only ever heard Robin Tunney. But okay. Yeah. Uh, Robin Tunney. And Rachel True. And some other Yay. people, but that, that's that's basically lots of the, people. Yeah, lots of lots of people in this. And um, what are what are your thoughts? Oh God, um, where should we begin? Um, well, oh, do you want a premise? Well, I want your thoughts. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Yeah. If I Sometimes wanted a premise, I'd ask so... for a premise. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, my thoughts, God, uh, they, they, it's it's a long story. I have a I have a curious history with this movie, but let's just suffice it to say as of right now, I like it a lot. What about you? Oh yeah. Same, actually same. And um what's what I find fascinating about this movie is that it kind of started the nineties teen horror trend. Because I don't like nothing like, you know, everyone credits Scream for that. And and, mm-hmm. and in all fairness, Scream did start it because everything that came after was very much a copy of Scream. But sure. since this this predated Scream, it was kind of like it's still part of that ilk of everything else. But it's it's its own thing because it's kind of wedged right in the middle of the 90s. So it's still kind of, you know, in the ballpark of, you know, what we were getting before. But it was like the transitioning and it was like the start of that you know high school era like just like everything about this is so 90s from like the soundtrack to the look Mm. of everything and yeah it has a very unique trapped in time quality about it and every time i watch this like it never changes for me like i don't have nostalgia for this like the same way that i would for something like bride of chucky or, or halloween h2o where it's just like I loved mm-hmm. those movies so much at the time, and now I look at them and I'm just like, oh, this is aged poorly. Um, but this movie, it's just like, it's it's always how I remembered it. And every time I watch it, mm. I don't want to say I enjoy it more each time I watch it, but every time I watch it, I enjoy it the same. And that's always that is, like a good same. 
Right. No, that is so interesting that you say that because for me, um, I, I, mean, I guess we'll just get into it. Um, I, I started on kind of, uh, I don't even know if it's called shaky ground, but just <laughs> like less sure, unsure ground with, yeah. with uh, this movie when it first got released. Because I was 15 going on 16 uh, when it got released. And when it was, you know, I remember the trailers and the commercials on the television that were run relentlessly. They really promoted the shit out of this movie. They wanted you to see it. Yeah. And it was any, any show I was watching, it was, you know, on, on the commercials and everything like that. So I got to see Feruza Balk say over and over and over again, we are the weirdos, Mr. And grin and then the craft. And <laughs> I, I, it felt at the time to me, without seeing the movie, I didn't go to the theaters and see it. I saw it on cable maybe a year later. Um, but at the time, just from all of that, the fact that it was being like pushed uh, into my face as much as it was, and because I was a teenager very much at that particular time in my life, I felt like the most rebellious thing I could do would be to avoid um, something that seemed so... Uh, Mainstream. So, well, also intentionally crafted, no pun intended, <laughs> sure. for like consumption from my demographic. Does that make sense? It felt like yeah. it was marketed for me. You so, were of a, course, it was the last thing I wanted to see. You were a little rebel. Um, I, yeah. Also, yeah. I was uh, starting, just starting to like develop kind of like an adult taste in <laughs> cinema. And I was forming this new palette. And... Something like that felt like kid stuff to me at the time. Now, as the years have progressed and I've returned to it every few years or so, um, I have kind of a similar... Because it's not like... I, when I finally did see it like a year later or whatever, I, I did like it. Like, I, I remember just sitting there and it's like, I'll just watch this for like a few minutes just to see if I like it. Oh, oh, that's not... Oh, oh, they're such bitches. You know, I would get into it, but not even like be... <laughs> Uh, cognizant of the fact that I was enjoying myself. I just kind of like watched it in a double parked fashion, always ready to turn the channel the second it turned me off, you know, or, or lost me. And it never did. I always watched it through to the end anytime I stopped on it. But as I get older, I recognize more and more in it. The more I love those four actresses in particular that you named, um, and the more I think, maybe this is just because we just finished watching Buffy season five last week, <laughs> but the more I kind of wish it had been a series instead of a movie because Ooh. it had the uh, potential to continue developing after all that. It needn't end necessarily with, you know, yeah. Nancy going nuts and the other two losing their powers and everything like that. It would have been interesting to watch them all have to keep going to school with each other after a lot of these things happen. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. I Question would, I would, for you before you get into a premise. Did you, no. did you see the sequel? I don't even know what we No, like, requel, I still haven't. Because nobody yeah. seemed to be enthusiastic about it at all. No so one I didn't did. Even bother. Yeah. Did you and see it? No, no, I missed it <laughs> when it because this was like it, it was released uh, in the middle of COVID or the beginning of COVID, mm. and mm. like theaters had just shut down, so they Blumhouse uh, had released it on streaming, um, and. Yeah, like the only way I could access it was like uh, VOD, and it was like a 
like $20 or something. And I'm just like, I mean, I could have seen it in a theater, but I just, there's something about that. Just, it just felt like, I don't want to see this. And all the reviews that I had watched said it was bad. And like, really the only connection to it um, doesn't show up until the end. Mm. Uh, and even then it's just like, it, it it's pointless. So the, the whole experience just sounded like it was, it was shitty and it didn't continue, you know, what you, the potential that you're talking about, if it like tapped into that, uh, within a series, but I agree a, a series would have been interesting for sure. To, At the time. Yeah, yeah. That would have been great. Another, a, another movie that's not like the craft, uh, just in, like in, in terms of its, uh, subject matter, but I guess like in tone and just sort of like maybe the demographic and just like the, the time it came out was fear. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. It's a I have, thriller. I, I think I saw it. With parts of it, like once. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, right. and he's right. an older uh, guy who starts to date this uh, high school student played by Reese Witherspoon, and everything seems mm-hmm. to be, you know, going swimmingly at first, but he turns out to be like very possessive and kind of psychotic, mm. and uh, it, it it gets messy. Right. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but it seemed like it was always on uh, TV and like cut down and edited. Um, uh And that's, and I would constantly see it. Uh, And it just, it has such a. (laughs) Did it have what? Did it have that teen movie with the soundtrack kind of vibe? Absolutely. And I mean, like, even the cast, like Alyssa Milano uh, is in it. And then, of course, like the the dad was William Peterson. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's just like, if, if anything, if like William Peterson is ever like playing the grown up, it's like, oh, this is so 90s. So <laughs> I, I'd be interested in revisiting that one one day. But um, anyway, what what say you with this premise? All right. Um, is the usual voice OK? I, it's what it's up you to, to you. Do I mean, well, do you want to do Well, did you, you did you want to do it as like Nancy or? I don't know. I don't know if I have a really good. I love one. quoting her, but I don't mm. know if I have a, like a good enough hold on an, an impression of her. Because she also this is the thing. Okay, before I get into it, also it's just Feruza. Mm. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like which Nancy? Like <laughs> there are so many Nancys. You can even you do know, it just... as um. You can do it as Sarah, <laughs> like just like bored out of her skull and just being like. Oh. We're, we're doing another just, spell, you know, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just back of my throat, yeah. like <laughs> vocal fry. Okay. I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> just do whatever you want. Troubled teen Sarah Bailey has just moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles with her father and stepmother. At her new school, she forms a friendship with a group of girl outcasts who've noted her unusual abilities and are themselves rumored to be witches. As she grows closer to Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy... She learns about their worship of a powerful earth deity they call Menon. (laughs) But... (laughs) Shut up! But you're wasting the people's precious time. But... (laughs) Now I can't get back in it. But... 
Will she get in too deep before her friends find irreparable darkness in the craft? <laughs> that was fun. Very nice. It's, it was almost like uh, took me back to the, the Karen um, like a, a Judy Greer Karen. Oh, of, like, when her delivery Halloween, and Halloween 2018. 2018. Yeah. I, I can never. <laughs> over the paranoia and your she has inflicted upon me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we identify a bunch of moments like that? Oh, yeah, we did in Jawbreaker with like Liz is the cat's meow. <laughs> now my voice is just sitting there. It's going to be weird to talk. Or, yeah, where she's where she just like, oh, I've got, I believe you called it ammo. Ammunition. Ammunition, <laughs> if I'm correct. Yeah. <laughs> Kill me like you did, Liz. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We can do this. We just do this all night. Anyway, could, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so see how long it lasts. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It'll come back. Well, It'll no, because I think this is like my favorite moment in the movie. And I just, the last, like we talked about this before, because we, we did this uh, on the old podcast. And I I noted how when they're like on the beach and they're doing the the spell and they're going around in the circle and each one of them is just like guidance from the watchtower of like the north and blah, blah, blah. And and everyone's like putting their all into it. And then we just and they're like this uh, with their arms up in the air. And then you get to Sarah at the end and she's just kind of like her head is like slumped over. She's like Jesus on the cross. It's just like (sighs) and she's like. Powers of blah, 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 like players, like just she's so bored and just not giving it any energy at all. And I think I you said she's like it's bored. it's because she's like it's beneath her. It's like she's mm. so much better that like she doesn't need to do this like juvenile bullshit and <laughs> and it's funny, like and what I noticed that I I, I forgot at the beginning because like Nancy starts off the chant and she says yeah. hear me. And then you just hear Sarah, us. And she's like, hear us. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, did you always see the uh, original three in that in that particular vein? Like, did you did you I mean, of course, you know, there is some kind of gift, some endowment uh, from the get go that Sarah is a party to that the other three all yeah. are kind of like trying to Jones off. I don't know, Jones off. Uh, uh, Bogart off of you know, like just kind of they want. They want to accept a piece of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Jones. I mean, uh, there's, but- <laughs> there, there's. I mean, there's several different interpretations of it. You you could get. I, I don't know why I'm going into that vocal fry now, but it, um, it's unavoidable. It's, it's unavoidable. yeah. Once you get in your head, but I mean, you can look yeah. at it as. Did they conjure her? Because at the beginning, like the, the movie opens up with the three of them, I guess, like calling upon that, right, like right. The, they, they need the fourth member. Cause that's like when we see them in the school, that's what they're talking about. Like, oh, who's our fourth going to be? So just like they were manifesting her. And then that's the opening credits is just like the, the, the heavens just sent her flying in on an airplane <laughs> and <laughs> she or, arrives. Okay. See, that's interesting because I, 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 it, it's certainly set up that way. And yeah. um, that's another thing about this movie is every time I watch it, I feel like I'm watching it 
um, even though it develops for me, like my, my affection for it, I think grows deeper and, and I appreciate it. But I know what you mean about it's always the same movie because I always feel like I'm watching it for the first time again, experiencing it for the first time. But yeah. so this is the first time I've really kind of like even thought about things like, well, what was the source? This is like Ghostface all over. Like, who is Ghostface when all over again for me? Because oh, now I'm thinking, like, <laughs> if there's evidence of them being successful in the past, uh, as far as their witchcraft and everything like that, then they, they, I mean, they seem so genuinely freaked out when the homeless guy with the snake, yeah. uh, <laughs> finally, you know, bites the dust in the middle of the street. And they're all running away and they're they're kind of laugh screaming and just going like, we did it. We can make things happen. Everything like that. Now that now that there's four of us kind of thing. And, and it, then and they sit like, down okay, on that so... like nasty couch in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> which, which I mean, you know, when you're a teenager, you'll sit on anything. Um, I, oh, I don't mean that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> just heard that. Didn't mean that. But um, no, I, I, I wonder if they would have had that kind of reaction if they'd had much success in the past. I'm also, I'm wondering if like, that's, that's something they could certainly tell themselves, but they're still at that point, like, like trying to convince themselves that like they have an effect. Like even when the spell starts working for the first time, when they summon the power of Manon and drink of their sister's blood and everything like that. And then things start happening they're It's, they're still like shocked. And it's almost like, I don't know. It reminds me of like, if the if the movie had been about anything else, like let's say it was about like contacting the dead, yeah, and they all got on a Ouija board, and then all of a sudden things started, you know, like a, a door creaked a little, like oh, the door moved. That's proof. There's a ghost. There's a ghost in the house. We summoned it. You know, like yeah. it's that level of kind of like Parker Brothers insanity. Well, for me. <laughs> in, the, in that scene where they're they're just sitting on that couch, uh, like just out yeah. in the, the uh, open there. Um, cause Sarah says to them, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I do like, I'll think about things like I want it to rain, but then it'll right. backfire and I'll get like a, a leaky faucet. So I think that she knows yeah. that she has these powers. She just hasn't yeah. kind of tapped into them. Cause like her mother was a, a powerful witch. Right. So I think that she was kind of blessed with that. Just like, just like, uh, you know, from birth. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really know what the story is for the others, but, you know, like, I don't know much about witchcraft other than what I see in, like, Buffy and uh, right. and, and the craft. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like, who knows? Maybe just, like, these three people, if, like, their will is powerful enough and their, you know, their, their power to manifest something if the three of them got together and then there's this, like, fourth person that already was endowed with this gift that they came in that it would just like, they would naturally gravitate towards each other and then kind of like each feed off of one another's energy. Because I mean, as much as the other three are kind of drawing this power from Sarah, it seems like she's also kind of harnessing it from them. And like, and and hers is growing because of that. Like they're, they're almost like enabling her to get more powerful because mm-hmm. she's not like, like yeah she's like not they're a gym for her m- magic muscles yeah like they're all <laughs> they're all helping each other and that's like the the, the mm. point or just like what we find out at the beginning is just like there needs to be four of us just so we can make this work 
And right. so they they might very well like each have a, a, a certain gift to to a degree, mm-hmm. but all of it coming together is what kind of skyrockets it for them. And then by the it's end, like, yeah. it's kind of when when uh, Sarah, you know, calls upon the powers of Manon, um, yeah. <laughs> that it's just like she she becomes so powerful at that point that like she doesn't need them. And and then once Nancy's out of the picture by the end and the other two are just like, we don't have our powers anymore. And just like, that's right. nice. I'm fine on my own. So right. it could have just been a thing that was just like she was seen as the worthy one. And yeah. she and like came out of it with all of her powers, like like all the powers, essentially. Well, Menoff, when he when Menoff finally discovered, like, I, I guess, or became some somewhat more <laughs> conscious of Sarah's existence probably thought, well, why am I wasting my time with these bitches? (laughs) And that's why (laughs) thoroughly said, okay, you want all the power? You can have it, honey. Like whatever you want. Like you're, you're legit. Like you're the one who knows where the bodies are buried. But is it it pronounced Menoff? Yeah. No, um, I think it's (laughs) pronounced. I was going to ask you who decided that the guy, because the way I hear it is that they always pronounce, because it's spelled M-A-N-O-N. But it's always pronounced like they're saying croissant, you know, like French. Like, <laughs> yeah, so Manon, like Manon. that's Manon. what I hear. Manon. Yeah, Manon. I thought, Manon. like, it, isn't that like a brand of yogurt? No, that's Danon. <laughs> Danon. <laughs> Danon. <laughs> Petit Manon. Or it's like, it's like filet, filet mignon. <laughs> filet mignon. Yeah, same mignon. thing. So I we're, feel, we're calling but, upon um, the, the powers of filet mignon. But see, these are a couple of things I would have loved. That's hilarious. But no, there's a couple. <laughs> these are some of the things. Immediately, my, my imagination in the back of my head, because I'm watching the movie and I'm into the movie, but I'm also thinking like, God, it would have been so great if it had been a series. There would have been time. I would have loved for them to discover that like Menol was actually a feminine or female derivative force or even the origin of you know females just so they're not like deriving all their power from a male entity like using the word he and everything like that like they're so anti-god as a man-made construct it would have been cool if they could have derived their power from maybe they i mean this was like the the mid 90s so maybe like the pronouns weren't really uh (laughs) a a big deal back then but but she did describe menon as like if if God and the devil, you know, had a mm. battle against each other, Menon is the stadium. So right, right. It, it was almost like the, Menon is is doesn't have a, a gender. It's just mm. it's just the, the you know everything. It's it's the the all powerful being, Mother Earth. <laughs> well, then that that gives it a, a, a female. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still pushing. I'm still pushing for it. I want. Yeah. I don't know because I mean, so often I, I remember I've I've watched many films, uh, <laughs> television shows, whatever, yeah. with many female friends and female relatives of mine over the years, and the thing that always seems to piss off um, my friends and family is that anytime a woman kind of like gains some kind of power you can usually draw it back to its point of origin is because some man taught her yeah and that's almost you know without exception so i don't know it would have been a nice little touch and also just little things like you talked about talking about the four of them it would have been nice if we could have even more clearly defined well what kind of a witch are you like where 
what like you're there's four corners there are also good four seasons there are four but i mean also like there's four <laughs> <laughs> but there's think about how many things there are four of and think yeah. like okay so <laughs> which side of the square are you you know like and and what and what what do you represent and how can we yeah. tie that i mean you know like you and i always do it with the zodiac so it would have been interesting to see them do it with like elements and seasons and well whatnot, i mean that's an interesting like question but um and we can we can talk about that but i i wanted to ask you because this is <laughs> essentially i mean i would say that this is like mean girls but this predates mean girls um, yeah. but it, and jawbreaker and drop well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's so very much mean girls. I mean, all we needed to have was like Nancy's mother mm. in the apartment, like, cause she's like, Oh, let's listen to some music <laughs> girls. And Nancy just had to be like, mom, go fix your hair. Like, oh. I love you. you. You girls keep me so young. Right, she's <laughs> you know? Regina George. Nancy, yes, Nancy is obviously Regina George, and and uh-huh. that would mean that Sarah is uh, Katie Heron. Yeah, um, and I I would probably say that Bonnie is Gretchen Wieners. Does that sound about right to you? I think so, but and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in terms of what she has access to, she's a little bit more of a chess player as as far as you know the group the politics of the group yeah. and everything like that then uh Amanda Seyfried's character is then and that's Rochelle R- Rochelle, well, then Rochelle is C- to, to to Karen in uh yeah yeah in, yeah in Mean Girls yeah I forgot what which one Amanda Seyfried played <laughs> Karen <laughs> yeah I know yeah I, that okay. I I couldn't come up with the name i'm just explaining Go okay on. no no that's fair enough no that's uh, i know and i was watching it like with that mindset it's just like oh which one of the because like we obviously know who like the two main players are but the the yes. secondary yes. ones uh which one's gretchen and which one is karen but um among among the minions yeah because they are more miniony absolutely <laughs> um and <laughs> i love how even like all of the story beats are so similar to Mean Girls as well, of of just like how how things play out. That I almost oh, want to, I almost want to like if I ever like had the opportunity to like meet Tina Fey and ask her like when you wrote mm-hmm. Mean Girls, like were you at all inspired by the craft? And yeah. just like because I mean like it's the similarities are so blatantly apparent. Mm-hmm. With Aaron Samuels, is that his mm-hmm. name? Uh, yes, but I mean, like even, like even, like even, like even, like right down to like some of the shots, like them like walking down the the quad, oh, yeah. and it's just like the same as like them walking down the hallway, and like I said, the scene with the mom, and you're just like, yes. oh, no adults, you know. Um, <laughs> and then so, the turn, the, the the when it all turns. Although absolutely. the the two minions never <laughs> abandon. I mean, well, not exactly. It kind, of, it kind of happens differently, but they never abandon their Regina George in order to follow Katie. Um, I guess the closest thing we have resembling that in this movie is just the very end when they're like, "We don't. We sorry about trying to kill you. We don't have yeah. any powers, do you? Because if you do, yeah. we could all, you know, hang." <laughs> well, even at the in the yeah, even in the um, at, at the end, like in the house. Because yeah. uh, when Nancy's freaking out, she's just like, go up there or I'll slit your throat. And then they're just like, Let's, right, 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 right. like well, they la- they did go up there and then they saw like the images of them in the in the mirror and then they ran out. So they did kind of mm-hmm. abandon her there. And there was like a lot of hesitation because like that's the thing. Like they were mean girls in a way like they they knew like, oh, what we're doing right now to Sarah, like that's 
it's kind of nasty, but they were going mm. along with it. Like they, they knew about mm. it, but it was just kind of like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're dedicated to our coven. So, you know, we, we got to do it. <laughs> um, but it, it, it did feel a little inconsistent, I guess, like the setting, the setup for it. Cause like there was the scene when, um, when Nancy was like driving through all the red lights or like waiting for them to, to yeah, not waiting, yeah. but just like, you know, hoping that they would turn green or probably not even hoping, but mm-hmm. they're in the backseat and they're kind of, very cavalier about uh, Sarah's trepidations regarding the whole thing. And she even says like, Bonnie used to be a nice person, but you know, now you're just like very conceited. And, and I forgot cause I thought, Oh, that's when she's kind of like out of the group. But then she has the scene, like after she is assaulted by Chris and she runs to Rochelle's house and they're all very much there for her and they're supportive. And then there's that whole ordeal. And and then it's after that that they that they all turn on her. Well, so. that's also another thing that, like, I think is an interesting uh, thing to discern between the mean girl structure and the craft. Well, I don't know about structure, but I guess just the mm-hmm. the path. Because what pushes Katie to, like, you know, pursue, uh, you know, uh, to be in a, a position in league with the plastics and everything like that is you know she's being pressured by two other people who she considers her actual friends whereas in this case sarah so desperately wants to be (laughs) friends with somebody you know she is completely alone in the school and 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 there's something really genuine that i again i absolutely thrive on watching the four of them as they're becoming friends and then as they really are friends like in in terms of like caring about each other and everything like um i think you and i off pod have discussed like uh my reaction to when nancy is um performing uh the the, whatever rights or i I don't even know what the terminology but she's working the spell like trying to like take away the scars you know from bonnie and bonnie's just sitting there just like you know saying it over and over again and everything like that and you just see for a moment, I think it's Nancy stops and she just kind of like looks at her and just looks down and looks away and just looks so, um, I maybe uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable in a way that's like, oh my God, I wish I weren't here. It's more like, uh, my friend is in so much pain and it's a lot to absorb. I just wish she wouldn't have to be. I mean, I'm, this is all yeah. Subliminal, like I'm just, ri- but it, it just feels like their interactions and their behavior is out of genuine yeah. care for each other and a genuine need for each other. And there seems to be a solace that they found. So when they finally do start performing the ritual where they're drinking of each other's blood and everything like that, um, there's a bond that is palpable that I, uh, that I'm really, really fond of that again, maybe that's why I want it to be a series also is just yeah. so we can spend more time. With that, I mean, we did get oh. charmed, if you will. No, I never, uh, I never, I, I didn't even watch the episode I was in. <laughs> oh, I think I remember you telling me yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, um, I did see the first three seasons because I remember I found like the the box sets real cheap, uh, and I watched all th- uh, all through those. But after Shannon left the show, I was just kind of like, uh, I mean, which I mean, like Rose McGowan came on, but it just. It was so dumb. I'm sorry to anyone who, who likes charms, but I just, I couldn't get into it. Like, not the same way uh, that I could with Buffy. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's definitely, there's a lot of nuance to the Nancy-Sarah relationship in particular. Um, mm. 
And of course, like, I think, like, at a certain point, a lot of what takes over is the jealousy. And I think that's something that Feruza Bulk plays really well into. I do, too. And, uh, you know, especially I think the first time we really see it is um, in the chapel scene when they've already got uh, uh, Skeet under the the spell and you just see uh like rochelle is sitting with nancy and she's just like look it's happening and nancy's just like yeah, yeah great you know <laughs> like right, right. it's almost like she's she's come in and she's taking my position as like the head bitch in charge and it's it's not sitting right with her um because it's almost well, like it's she's- <laughs> it's very it's she like it's like healed her own wounds from like what ha- transpired between her and chris too like so absolutely to see... no, no 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 totally yeah but i just like yeah. Na- nancy is like one of those friends it's just like her friendship is conditional like it's like she wants to have sarah in the in the group but it's just like but you cannot usurp my position here like i'm the one who's in charge I, I definitely agree with that, but I, I also think it's this is why Nancy is fascinating to me because Feruza can also play all of this stuff simultaneously because she starts Sarah starts on incredibly uh, 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 like indiscernible <laughs> ground with Nancy because she I think half the time she doesn't know whether she's joking or not you know like the fact that and I wouldn't know either that's one thing I love about also just the introduction of the three the original three is just like the way they are framed even they always look to me like the girls the teachers don't want you to hang out with (laughs) you know (laughs) the bitches of Eastwick and there's something so subtle from like just like uh posture like particularly with bonnie like the way nev campbell just kind of like holds her books in and go go, goes full-on kind of like ali sheedy breakfast club you know with her like uh uh her her strange inertia and then you've got just wonderful aesthetic changes that they have like like bonnie has really really greasy hair that's all like in her face but then even even though Rochelle has, you know, thought to, like, wear a clip, it looks cheap, you know? It looks like this little pink plastic thing that I makes mean, her look almost like a toddler, you know? I'd say, like, like I mean, the, it, the it, thing with Rochelle, though, is, like, there's nothing, yeah. like, she she almost, like, does not fit in with them. She seems like, <laughs> like she's a, a little more put together than them, and I think that she has more of a sense of decorum than, you know, so, someone like Nancy, obviously. Like, she's the one mm. that comes up and she's just like, Nancy's really sorry about uh, chemistry class or whatever. And just like, right. why, why doesn't Nancy say that? You're standing right next to her. So right. I, I, I get the feeling that the only reason she's in that group is because she's the only black person at that school. Mm. And we can, we kind of see that, which is like the the way that... Um, what the fuck's her name? The 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 Barbie doll blonde. Um, I forget the name. It's like Laura. Christine Laura, Taylor plays Laura Lizzie. Laura, Laura Lizzie. That's what right. a name. I know. That's what it's like two, it's like two first names. It's not even like her. It's like her stage name. <laughs> I also thought it's what really funny real that she was <laughs> she went yeah. on to like right after this. She was on Friends. She played the oh, right. the bald, bald woman. Girl. Well, she wasn't bald, but like because she was like Phoebe's yeah. friend and. She, she went yeah. to Rachel and she's like, oh, I know that like things are not great with you and Ross, but can I set her uh, him up with one of my friends? And she's like, oh, describe her. She's like, oh, she has no hair 
and Rachel's like, "Oh yeah, for sure, go ahead." Right, and right. then and then they meet her, and she's like, she's grown it. Back. Christine Taylor with full yeah, blonde yeah. locks and everything. She's like, "You owe me one bald girl." Yeah, I remember that. Which then Rachel shaved uh, her head. <laughs> I just thought it was a. I just thought it was a funny correlation that that was the same actress. But um, yeah, like it's back to Rochelle. It was like it, it was almost like she like in any other school or she you know she was in. Um, you know, like a, like a pu- the public school system, like she probably would have been thriving. Like she would have been among like people who were more like you know ethnically, you know, uh, would receive her better. Accepting. And you know, yeah, yeah. And mm. and I, I think that she would probably be one of like the popular kids. But here, just because she is the only, I mean, I wasn't looking at the extras in in the scenes, mm. but I think I remember reading somewhere that like, or just I, I it might have been in the. Um, the documentary that was on Shutter, horror um, noir. Yeah, because because Rachel True is on, and I think she just she might have. I might be misremembering, but she described the character as being like the only black student at an all white Catholic school. Mm. So I think mm. maybe that was my takeaway, and that's that's why she's in that group because she's been shunned by everyone else. Right, and it's probably uh, a big part of like. I mean, there's also a timidity about her, though. Like, I mean, with all the diving board antics that she goes into, yeah. it seems like there's something she needs to overcome. The fact that you know these girls are down there giggling about her and everything like that. And it also makes me wonder. See, this is again, I have so many questions that I feel could only be expanded upon with a series. I'm going to be beating that dead horse this whole pod, but um, because it makes me wonder, like, okay, so is that? Like when when uh, uh, Laura Lizzie makes that comment to her, uh, where she finally reveals like why she, how she just doesn't like, and I don't even want to say the fucking word, but um, she and and it makes it clear that it's a racial problem. You know, it, when it, it all comes down to race with like what I don't like about you, and there's shock. There is absolute shock on um, on Rochelle's face, yeah. <clears throat> and. I think I always just attribute it to, like, that is, like, a terrible thing to say to someone. But I'm wondering if it's also the first time she found out that that is why. Or had it spelled out for her. I mean, it this must is, have no, been. You're, this is why. Yeah, because she, she was just like, do you, do you yeah. really want to know why? And she's like, yes, I really want to know. Right. And, right, it, right. and it very well, like, might be. Because, I mean, like, the, the interesting thing, we don't really dive into Rochelle as a character all that much outside of the oh, the yeah. this stuff with with uh Laura Lizzie but we can see like cuz we don't ever meet her parents uh she's like the only one of the four that whose parents we don't meet but we know that um Sarah goes to her house and it was the same house that they were at at the beginning of the movie and she's like clearly her parents are wealthy so right. i just see this like she's it's it, like from this black family, they're obviously very well to do and they are, have sent her, their daughter to this, this private school. And she's the only mm-hmm. non-white person, uh, seemingly, or at least the only black person there. And it might be one of the, a, a situation like that where she just hasn't, you know, if she's, if she, if she's been among like a higher class of people, her, her entire like childhood, um, mm-hmm. that she hasn't faced anyone blatantly racist to her face, like the way that Laura Lizzie was. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I mean, again, like the words are shocking enough to like warrant yeah. the, the reaction that comes up on her face. So um, I, but I, 
I still think that hair clip does most of the heavy lifting for her awkwardness. I think it really yeah. And also, because also the way she's sitting, when they're all sitting there in that kind of, it's this beautiful uh, shot when Chris uh, uh, approaches Sarah outside uh, during lunch or whatever. And she's referencing the girls that are sitting behind him as the ones who, you know, like rejected her or whatever. Yeah. And he turns around and looks at them. And we get that incredible, it's a tableau. It's, it's, it's kind of like this movie's answer to The Last Supper. Where <laughs> they're all just kind of like in various <laughs> like you know <laughs> poses yeah. that are like that, like it's it would be their album cover if they had if they were a band instead of a coven you know yeah and um uh and and there's this look there's one look in particular uh, that I'm getting from Rochelle that's just kind of like dead eye just kind of like uh I don't know <laughs> they've never looked more awkward than they do and then like finally when they become a uh the I, I can't call them anything other than the core four, but <laughs> when, they, when they become a core four um, and they, um, and they're moving through the hallway, you know, all glamorous and everything like that, you know, the spells taken full effect and everything like that. And they're happy mm-hmm. and they're, they're jaunty and they don't give a shit and everything like that. And they're, they're completely self-actualized and, yeah. um, and they, all of them look absolutely stunning. And a big part of it is like, you know, they're work. They're just working it, you know, yeah. like this confidence that they've achieved because of their own self-proclaimed status, which is basically proclaimed yeah. to themselves. They don't go around the school, you know, like the pink ladies donning jackets. Saying, I mean, like, we're you, the coven. Do you think maybe it's like it's part of the magic though that it's almost like put this glamour around them that just like this is how people see them now. Like maybe that they're not. They haven't actually physically changed all that much. But it's like it it's almost like we as an audience, we're like taking the the perspective of everyone else at the school, and it's just like the magic is being worked on us. I mean, sometimes, especially at that particular age, all you have to do is kind of carry yourself a little differently for people to notice you in a different way. like mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- that stupid. She's all that thing of the <laughs> <laughs> the girl. All the girl has to do is take off her glasses and let her hair down and put on a pretty dress and walk down the stairs. And all of a sudden, wow, Bonerland. You know, like, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. But um, she, did I don't still, know. she did still trip on that last step. <laughs> <laughs> so she's still accessible. She's not a total movie star. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that the girls actually aren't as... The four of them yeah. actually aren't as powerful as they as they think they are until it gets dangerous, until it starts to get to the point where they're losing control. Yeah. Um and, and being reckless, like the rec I feel like the recklessness comes with wow, we really have reached a point where we can achieve things. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> I've observed it myself. I remember in something as stupid as uh when I was 17 and I went to school uh at nyu and uh i knew that i had gotten into the studio that everybody wanted to get into and everybody who got into the same studio as i did knew that they got into the studio that most people wanted to get into the musical theater studio and we all kind of walked around like we were already broadway stars you know like our opinions mattered more than other people's we could look we could find out what studios people were studying at and go, oh, good for you. And, you know, like, I mean, it was just, it was terrible. It's like ashes in the mouth, you know, like in terms of like, 
I don't know, the, the, the delectable flavors of life that you want. Like, I mean, we were non-people. We were, it was almost like playing make-believe, which also like in terms of like these girls in the beginning with their witchness, I think that's what I'm yeah. trying to indicate is that like, it's more like they're putting on their mother's clothes and <laughs> pretending <laughs> to be these autonomous women rather than actually just kind of like being, being autonomous women, which I think is something you do when you're young before you really kind of, know what you're doing you just kind of fake it until you make it and that's what i feel like i'm witnessing them do that's another thing is that this movie is so incredibly rooted and this is something that i've really come to appreciate over the years is it's so incredibly rooted in what i would deem natural human behavior like every choice they make and every pitfall that they come across feels completely authentic to me and like something somebody in that position at any stage of that game would have would have been or made or you know happened upon like it's yeah. it's got such a natural course it definitely it has a a more authentic high school uh yeah. vibe to it than a yeah. lot of uh a lot of uh the the teen movies that even like teen horror movies that were coming out like i mean like as much as like scream is amazing and that's my bread and butter. Like that scene at the water fountain, like that is not, those are not teenagers. That's like, that's like Kevin Williamson, like yeah. inventing a, like a new age of, of speak that uh-huh. was, was instilled within that. Like no normal teenagers are sitting around a, a water fountain and having like that conversation that they, they did. Whereas like the kids in this movie, that's real. Like the Skeet Ulrich that we see in this movie, like that's Skeet <clears throat> playing like an actual teenager. And, yeah. uh, like, you know, you reference she's all that. And I think that that's a very much like <laughs> that. There is nothing realistic about that. No, uh, no. high school experience at all. I mean, mm-hmm. not even like take even away the, the premise of it, just like the, the way that like characters and everything are portrayed in it. Um, that I think that like, just in terms of like other like horror movies of just, that are just like mm-hmm. high school horror movies. I know you'll probably um scoff at this but i actually thought that the the rage carry two um i thought that that was a lot more authentic just in terms of like the way that they portrayed uh the the high school students than most of the movies Uh, i'll hold my tongue until we do that pod because that's a conversation and a half Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that there's like, you know, like, because it was like, there was like the, almost this like classist thing where just like you had the rich kids and, and their parties. But I just think just in terms of like the, um, like the main character, she seemed like, she, you know, because she was like a Nancy type, um, mm-hmm. obviously not as unhinged uh, until, right, you know, right. shit hit the fan. But <laughs> there was an authenticity right, right. to it. And I, and I just feel that like, that's, mm. you know, when I, when I see the characters in the craft, uh, I agree that it, it just, it does feel, uh, appropriate. Yeah. In terms of uh, even, uh, the, the level of performance that we get, like uh, to bring it back to Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich, I love the fact that they don't really have any screen time together in this movie, but if they did, I know that I wouldn't see Sydney and Billy, you no. know, I mean, they're so, they're both I don't even so think about incredibly, it. yeah, they're, they're they- so incredibly strong as actors they're Mm -hmm. so on their game already at this early stage in their lives and in their careers Mm -hmm. that all they have to do is just kind of like make an adjustment you know just like there's a slight shift that you give yourself uh as as an actor that it it can be an as if it can be you know it can be anything um that that all of a sudden 
it informs everything else that you do. And I feel like both of them are doing that in, in such a successful way. The only other thing that I could, the only other kind of like pairing I could compare to that kind of shift in dynamic, uh, I think it's not a whole horror movie, so please excuse me, but I always want to praise, uh, Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald in 16 Candles against, and the two characters they play in that against the characters they play in yeah. Breakfast Club because they do have scenes together, a lot of scenes together yeah. in both of those movies. And I never once feel like I'm watching the characters from the other movie when I'm watching one of those movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, totally. So, I think that, well, the oh. only, the only exchange really, if you want to call it that in, in this movie is when they're in the chapel and Sarah is just like, oh, here, hold my books. And then, like, right. Bonnie needs her books held as well. And that's it. Like, they're no. they're in the scene together, and they're acknowledging each other's presence, but they're not exchanging yeah. any sort of dialogue. And I, I was actually just thinking about that as I was watching it today. I'm just like, you know what? That must have been really nice for them, like, the actors, mm -hmm. to, when they did go on to scream. And it's just like, oh, here's someone that I know that I've worked with. And you already have sure. that rapport with them. And there's, like, was sure. probably, like a, like, a sense of friendship and comfort that it just made me feel good. It was just like, oh, I love that for them, you know? Um, the, only, the only thing I could think of of just, like, uh, actors who work together. But, I mean, it's, it's so, it's, like, night and day almost. Because, like, these are, like, the, the, the roles that they're portraying are not, like, authentic, like, high school students like this but uh i was gonna say uh sarah michelle geller and ryan philippe and like from oh. i know what you did last summer to cruel intentions because i mean like they oh. have sizzling chemistry and whatever whatever they do together and mm -hmm. obviously like the, the the teenagers that they play in both of those movies are not like realistic at all. I would say that the the I know what you did last summer pair are more realistic than you know when we get to the the cruel intention, the, the larger than life um, <laughs> <laughs> rules that they play in that. But yeah. I mean, I think even then, like it's they're they're such different people in in both projects that it you know it's always fun to to see them. I. I would have liked to. I mean, they still could, but I would. I would love to see them reteam in some capacity and oh and, yeah, and do absolutely. something again. But you know, that's, same way I'd love to see Nev and Skeet in something again. That too. would be interesting. But I mean, I, but I think at <laughs> yeah. that point, like, I would just I would be too distracted because I'd just be like, <laughs> it's Sydney and Billy. Whereas like this, like they're like both the characters in this movie are not like the focal point, so it's just easier for me to watch. No the craft and not think about scream as much. Um, mm. You did mention uh, this Zodiac signs earlier. So I wanted to ask oh, you because <laughs> you brought it up, <laughs> but do you, do you have any? Uh... No, I don't. Do you? <laughs> well, I was going to say, cause each one of them represents an element or just like, at least when right. they are doing their, their circle when they're just like calling upon the powers and uh nancy is air right. uh bonnie was fire which i thought was interesting because it sort of like correlates with her burns her, sure. her, her scars um rochelle was water which i thought was another uh interesting correlation just because she's on the swim Ooh. team and yeah. uh um sarah was earth so i'd say if we Ooh. go by that that i i mean could Nancy be? Mm. Can, can Nancy be anything other than a Gemini? 
<laughs> and I say that with um, as much love as possible. Um, <laughs> like, is she? Like, I, I mean, I, she's I'm giving off like the, major Gemini energy for sure. With, I mean, yeah, the the duality of uh, that that she's capable of. The I, I mean, again, I was I I started to talk about the simultaneous things she can play, like when she is talking to Sarah, and at once she can seem to be like she's warning her again, warning Sarah against getting hurt the same way she herself got hurt by Chris before, and she doesn't want to see that happen to her. Yet at the same time, she's kind of like feeding her own self-interest by trying to prevent anything new happening between Sarah and Chris, because what if it works out? And what if this girl who I want to invite into my coven starts dating the guy who hurt me more than anybody, who I still have something, you know, that I feel for. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it it, it seemed a little manipulative. Like there was, it it did not feel altruistic at all when she was like telling her about it. Cause she was just like, I heard that you were a lousy lay. You know, it, it wasn't like, you know, how you would think that, like, girlfriends would comfort each other and just, like, that guy's a dick. Like, like you do not deserve that sort of thing. It was more just, like, you should be mad about this, right? And I'm not saying that that's, like, <laughs> Geminis are just out there just being, like, how can I stir the pot? But they kind of are. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Bonnie? Uh, I don't know. I would say, I, actually, you'll like this. I would say that Sarah is a Virgo. Oh, thanks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Completely boring and not interesting at all. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Self-possessed and you cross <laughs> us, we we make you pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, the other two are, like, harder because, like, we don't, we don't spend as much time with them. I'd say, I I would probably say that R- Rochelle's yeah. a cancer uh being the water mm-hmm. sign and Bonnie maybe a Leo. Ooh. Huh. I mean all the Leos I know are adults now, so I'm trying to think about like what they <laughs> what what my Leos were like when they were teens. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to ask my Leo friends. But um cuz the thing that strikes me most about Bonnie and Rochelle as kind of like the pips, as it were, you know, the the background dancers. If they're if the original coven is a a, a a triad, a triangle, then we know for sure that Nancy is the top of that triangle, and the other two are you know at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but like holding her up or whatever, or you know feeding off her rays. What I don't know, whatever. But um, th- that's the, the thing that kills me is that I I. I half the time i don't know if it's even half but for a great deal of the time that they're on screen those two yeah. they're behaving like shallow superficial people who i'm like you're better than that i've seen you be better than that i mean yeah. it works for the movie i'm not <laughs> criticizing the movie for it but i it makes me crave the series even more you know a series about yeah. them even more at that time because it's like um, I just want more time with them as they are, as as these vulnerable girls who 
just want to belong somewhere and who just want to feel a little power and and a little prettier and a little bit more <laughs> accepted by the people around them and you know just like to, for people to smile at them maybe you know <laughs> like um i i'm really i grab those are the people who i gravitated to the same way sarah does cuz i do find it enticing as fuck like i see them and i'm like with all of the ambiguity that they approach her with in the beginning like <laughs> when Nancy goes up to Sarah and, you know, Chris falls down and everything like that, she says, like, so, do you want to get coffee? I would have been terrified of all three of them, but I would have said yes in high school. I would have been yeah. like, absolutely. Let's go get some fucking coffee. Well, she, yeah, when she out. says, um, well, I'm, I'm expected <laughs> at home or whatever. And I just love the yeah. way that Nancy's just like, we'll make something up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's... Because she's almost laughing at her, and then Sarah's laughing at, at at her laughing at her and everything. It's just, oh my god! I yeah, yeah I love spending time with. Them there was also in that. Yeah, sorry, finish that thought. But I might get no, no, that, that was it. I just you. love spending. I just love spending time with them. That's all. <laughs> well, I was gonna say the uh, the Bonnie introduction because I think the first time we see her is in the class when she's sitting at the desk and she's looking over and sees. The uh, the pencil trick, very Willow, yeah. uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> but Nev Campbell did the thing that we've talked about before, which I love. I think Nev Campbell has actually talked about this. She was very self conscious about this this decision that she would make in her performances when she was younger, where she does that like breathy thing, where she's just like, <sighs> and she she did it. She did it in Scream One and Two. She didn't do it after that in the Scream franchise, but she did it in The Craft. And she probably did it all the time on Party of Five. I cannot confirm because I never watched that show. <laughs> but Me neither. Yeah, she's she, in, in The Craft, she's sitting at the, like, she sees the pencil trick and she's like, <sighs> and it's like this, this mm-hmm. inhale, sort of exhale yeah. at the same time thing. And then that's what causes <laughs> the pencil to fall. But in Scream 1, she did it when Billy and Stu started to stab each other. Um, like I think it was the first stab and she was just got yes <laughs> like that and then it was in Scream 2 <laughs> when Derek and her sitting under that like twisty tree and he's oh, like yeah, this yeah. is this is because you're concerned about my well-being and not because you're you're um don't trust me or anything like that and she sort of just like looks at him for a second and doesn't say anything and then she's <sighs> like I said <laughs> I just don't want to see you get hurt <laughs> and I mean I don't know why. I mean, I can understand maybe why she would be self-conscious about that. But I just like, I know Nev is not listening to this at all. But I just want to let her know that she is amazing. And when she did that in all three of those performances, I fucking loved it. So if Nev Campbell like, ever brought back like the, the, the breathy gasp, I don't even know what to call it. Like, I'm here for that it. Works. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, in terms of just aesthetic of something other than the characters, um, also like in this movie, one of one of the m- recurring motifs is the snake, obviously. Mm. And I felt like okay, rooted in Catholicism, you know, like the Adam and Eve and the forbidden fruit and the serpent coming to like tempt Eve and whatnot and everything like that. And because they're already so clearly from the get go, like literally studying <laughs> beneath these like uh uh relics of catholic oppression you know like cry- literally i think the first day of school that um sarah's having it's not the first day but her first day of school yeah. as she's walking 
into the archway, we have that shot of Christ on the cross as she's walking beneath him with the blood dripping and everything like that. <laughs> maybe that's where and she got the like, inspiration for during the, the maybe. ritual. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, I feel, I mean, it's kind of inescapable. I don't know why there is so much, it's predominantly Catholic symbolism in most cinema that originates in, 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 uh, America, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular one, like, I mean, even down to, and I was trying to figure out what it means. And I don't know if you, it could be really, really simple. I think it is more basic than I'm probably making it, but I wondered if you had a response to what, uh, the introduction of the uh, aforementioned homeless guy who comes into the home um, carrying the snake and approaching Sarah the way he does. He's very insistent also. Like, he's very rude and very domineering, acting like he's being completely rational and all the while carrying a snake. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just wondered, did, did he strike you in any particular way? You know what I'm thinking of now? Because we just recorded our Cherry Picker After Dark for Buffy Season 5. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So su- subscribe to to my Patreon if you want to check out yeah. uh, Buffy Season 5 uh, this month. But um, the I was just thinking about how, like, kind of the... Like, he, he was this homeless man, but he also seemed to be, you know, like, have, like suffer some, from some sort of mental illness. And it was almost just, right. like, the the idea that, like, people who are mentally ill, like, might have, like, this this second sight of just, you know, things mm. that are, um, you know, like, what, what holds the power or things like that. So he's almost, like, like, he could be seen as this, like, harbinger of doom coming in with the, the snake, but he's he's almost like he warns her he's just like you know death is what i forget what exactly he says but you know he might just have that ability to see the power in her because you know he's obviously shut off from the rest of the world nobody's going to listen to him so it's almost like the uh back to scream too the cassandra you know thing it's just like (laughs) he's able to prophesize things but nobody will ever believe him or know what he's saying and i actually felt bad for him because i didn't think that he was a harm or like danger to Sarah um, in that instance. So I was like, that could have been something that would could have been explored more just with like that Mm. character, or at least like other characters like that throughout the movie. Cause it seemed like they were like, they were very like happy about it, which I I thought was like odd um, that they were like almost celebrating it. Like they made it happen. Like they like committed murder essentially and like killed this, this poor homeless guy who, I mean, like questionably could have been, you know, uh, uh, dangerous to them, but it didn't seem that way. So I, I don't know, long story short, it, it, it seemed like there was more that they could have developed with that. And they, they didn't mm-hmm. again, maybe that's what the series is for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I thought at least he's a harbinger. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's the, the, the man at the gas station. He's crazy Ralph telling him, you're all doomed. Mm-hmm. But he's, um, um, like he's a guy at the gas station. Sorry, I didn't even finish the, the metaphor. The guy at the gas station, well, you're gassing up before you go into the woods, into the yeah. cabin or to, you know, the, 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 the ranch, you know, the Texas chainsaw ranch or whatever. Um, but with this, I also wondered if he could have been because he's, 
He's kind of the other most imposing physical male force on screen, aside from Chris. And I wonder if he's also supposed to be a harbinger of like that, like about like what is a threat to um to Sarah's like, I guess, natural rhythm, as yeah. it were. Because the first that's one of the first things she notices in the car. Because his snake is not the first snake either. The first snake she notices is just kind of coiled up in the tree, right? Well, I just assumed that the that's carpool. the one that he grabbed and he took it into the the house. That one looked so big though, the one in the tree. Wasn't it huge? Oh, really? I Am I imagining know. it? I thought it was huge. And then he came in with like yeah. I thought it was another one and it was little obviously snake yeah. imagery continuity, but yeah. Speaking of that scene, I like I just wanted to say, because as I was watching it, all I could think is like I miss old movies and how they did not give a fuck about like <laughs> opening credits. Like they just do them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like you don't get opening credits anymore. Just like you might get the title card and that's and then like right into the movie or something like that. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Um, but I just I love the way it's done here because like we talked about it in Red Eye as well. Like it was just like because that's already a extremely short movie and <clears throat> you're taking up two minutes of time to, you know, like just have all the names and everything. But they did it. And in that movie, they were very efficient. Like they showed things that like played into the plot uh, later yeah. on. And here, it's not like they were really showing us anything. Like they like it was just sort of like more so establishing the journey and the characters. But yeah. I mean, like you get the you get the 90s soundtrack. And I think like that's also like gives the movie like a life of its own. But it really like it, it's it sets the tone for the rest of the movie and i feel like that's missing nowadays where we don't get that and it's just like right into the movie and i think that you know i i i get that they're trying to be more efficient i don't know what the 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 reasoning is but i i miss it you know i want i want like the crazy like the the shit that like there's literal explosions and then like you're soaring through the sky and (laughs) then you come into uh los angeles and it's pouring rain like mm-hmm. it was it, it was great it just it, very evocative of, of just the, the time and and like even yeah. like the television series that were you know coming out uh in the mid 90s i was even getting like melrose place vibes from it you know <laughs> of course you were <laughs> yeah but um i, I also just in, in, in terms of the opening credits also just to pay, piggyback on that uh, uh from a broader sense i guess i understand exactly what you're talking about in terms of i feel like some directors it's it's very few and far between but uh, or far and few between. I always forget yeah. which way that few goes. Few and far but, between. Um, few and far between. Yeah. Um, every now and then it'll happen, and it's it's charming. But um, I, they don't. Uh, I think the first director who it ever occurred to me personally uh, that really used opening credits consistently was Tim Burton. You will go to like the beginning of his career and throughout the decades. I don't even know if he does it anymore. It's been so long since I've seen a new Tim Burton project, yeah. like over a decade. But um first 30 years (laughs) every single one of those opening credit sequences was a journey it was almost like a ride in and of itself and it was it 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 got you listening at a different frequency and it changed like the 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 even just like the the pace that you yourself were moving at and kind of brought you to the movie's pace like now I'm in control and I'm going to guide you through this and I'm going to be in charge of like when you go <gasps> and when you, oh, 
You know, when you inhale and exhale, I'm. He would have loved Nev Campbell. <laughs> all I'm thinking of right now is that because, like, you you mentioned Tim Burton and like opening credits, and yeah. all I can think of is Batman Returns. Yes, I fucking love that movie. Favorite Batman movie mm. of all time, oh, by the way. I don't, so good. you know, I don't care about your Christopher Nolan <laughs> bullshit. But um, <laughs> I will watch this ridiculous fucking movie, uh, like. Till the end of time, and it, like mm-hmm. it'll get better each time. But um, yeah, I always remember that that <laughs> uh, the opening scene of just like the the cobble pots and like through the Gotham yeah. Park and the just like the, uh-huh. the journey down the sewer. Yes. <sighs> so beautiful, and that and the the score, the Danny Elfman. Episode, oh gosh, just, like, it's so beautiful. Um, Nobody writes beautiful choral background for Christmas like Danny Elfman, and he did it. He did yeah. it. For movies that weren't even Tim Burton movies, I mean, he had the 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 Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands, of course, also. But on top of that, there was also um, uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray, another favorite of mine, another holiday yeah. favorite. Dark well, I was going to say, there's also like non-Christmas. Uh, he did the the Cassandra aria in Scream Two. That's right. I and forgot about that. It's funny because when I listen to that, um, I hear. Like if you listen to it isolated, like outside of the uh, the dialogue or anything, I get Batman Returns from it. Like I hear like, uh-huh, uh, oh, know? totally, like, yeah, yes, it's, it's so good. It's so funny. I just realized I'm drinking out of a Batman mug for anybody. Maybe that's this on yeah. YouTube. Maybe that's why it, it, it uh, dawned on me. Maybe just subconsciously, but, um, you 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 put it in there. <laughs> oh, there was also. Just, I mean, just in the way of authenticity, to just because. Um, I don't know if I have any more to say about opening credits, although we could do an entire pod just about opening credits uh, <laughs> in movies. That would be a yeah. good idea at some point. That'd be fun. Top 10 lists of opening credits for opening movies. Credits, but um, yeah. for this, another thing that I that I noticed is um, when the girls are getting to know each other and they first find out that uh, Sarah uh, attempted suicide and they look and they look at her scars. And I think Bonnie's the one who's like, wow, and you did it the right way. I remember seeing that. As a teen and feeling scared, like when I saw that, because I was just kind of like, oh, that is the right way. Like, And I don't and it's one of those things. And I don't know if this is even true now for this pr- current crop of teens that we have, you know, in 2023 as we're recording mm-hmm. this. But I remember at the time that those were the kinds of things that like you knew as a teenager, whether your life was touched you know, directly or adjacently by suicide or whether you, it was just, it was just one of those things that you just kind of like found out and probably at school, you know, it's not the kind of thing your parents sit you down and tell you now, if you want to do it right, (laughs) you know, it's, but it's one of those things that like somehow like someone knows and they tell someone and then somebody else tells someone and they tell someone and pretty soon everybody knows. And then you're teaching someone, you know, it's like that. I don't know. And again, that's, that comes back to like this weird authentic high school feel of like the, the topics we talk about that usually don't get put into movies, especially by movies that are made by adults because they're probably afraid like, well, what if we're teaching children how to, you know, kill themselves and everything like, you know, like, I mean, I love that we're still kind of like, in a in a in a potential danger zone that the movie is allowing to exist because um, it's the way kids it's the it's the the topics yeah. that kids talk about. Well, I mean, like that. I mean, like that's about. how I learned uh, about like what gay was. Right. Like, it was probably like grade yeah. four. Like you know, like my 
parents never, you know, told me about any of that. Like no, no family. Right. I might have like someone might have mentioned something to me like in school, and I might have like asked like a cousin or something. It's just like, what is what is <laughs> gay? What does it mean to be gay? And I don't even remember like what the responses were. Maybe they're just like, oh, don't worry about that or something. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I, I don't think I even asked. I don't yeah, think I ever asked. I like, uh, well, I mean, at, at that time, like in grade four, I wouldn't have known. But um, mm. uh, just about the the scars, like I love that uh, Rochelle is just like goes to Bonnie, just like the right way. Like, what the fuck are you <laughs> talking about? Like, how do you know that? Yeah, you know? right. So it's just like it goes back to that authenticity. <laughs> just like someone says it, and then another person is like, well, you know, like what do you mean? Like how? Like yeah. explain that more. Um, this game of telephone that we yeah. learn, like learn and, and education by yeah. osmosis, almost. And yeah. I love that the the characters in this movie have their own version of the magic box um, <laughs> <laughs> that they go to, that they shoplift from. They shop- <laughs> Except for Sarah, because she's Poor, the the honorable right. one. Like, Poor yeah. Lirio. I thought she didn't have any money, though. Didn't she say she didn't have any money when they asked her to go get coffee? <laughs> Well, I think she, that was just her make something up, you know? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember her saying she didn't have any money. I, For some reason, I thought she said it. So then when they got in there and she's just like, that's $20. And she pulls out a 20. I'm yeah. like, oh, liar. But I, yeah. maybe I just misheard. You know? I don't remember. But it's not important. Poor Lirio. You know? yeah. She's just, I mean, nobody is in that shop. <laughs> no one is making purchases. And there, yeah. it, I don't know. I... It's exactly the kind of place I think as a teen I would have loved to have gone into and then never spent any money. You know, you sit yeah. there and just read books. And then when it's time to go or when they ask you to leave, yeah. <laughs> you, you all ass. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because would you have hung out at Lirio's? Is there there's, a name for it? I can't even remember. I'm not sure. But there's a there's a store here. I don't know if it exists anymore because I know that it, they, the place that uh, they had uh, – rented for the, the retail space uh, was, was closed down. So I don't know if they moved or what, but it was kind of like, they had all these like Egyptian uh, mm-hmm. like antiques and stuff. And it was always fun to go. And I never spent any money there. Maybe once I like bought a little something just for fun, but there's, it's just like so cool to just like go in and like look at the stuff. And yeah, yeah I never yeah. thought about it. But I mean, it, it, it seemed to like be thriving. Like there, you know, there'd always be people looking around. And we talked about this with with Buffy when the Giles opens the magic box and it's like the first day, it's like they're just swamped. Like they've got yes. like every single member of the gang volunteering their services to help uh, run the store. And like, it's still too much. Like they, they're <laughs> like knackered by the end of the day. Um, <laughs> it also... <laughs> <laughs> it's also something I don't do as an adult anymore. It's just like go to a shop, shop or a store. No, and, and or, I mean window shop maybe, but not. Yeah, you're right. Not really. Um, like also the internet has just made it too easy. I mean, I'd love yeah. also making the time. Like I, there just aren't that many shops and stores that I know about yeah. that would interest me to like block out three hours of my day to go and visit. Exactly. You know? Don't overestimate my desire to stay at home because like if I'm going <laughs> yeah. out to, to totally. buy something to make yeah. a purchase, like I'm going with purpose and yeah. that's the only way I'm going to go to like the mall or anything. Or if I am going to the mall, it's because like there's the movie theaters there. So it's like, I'm planning to go to a movie and then, you know, just to kill some time before the show starts 
I'll look around in my stores and then, you know, yeah. I'll probably make a purchase maybe, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I, and especially with, with <laughs> the internet and, you know, Amazon and everything, I'm just, I'm. And COVID for, too, there's that. <laughs> well, it was, but, um, what's, yeah, what's the store called? The, the shop or the character who runes it? Oh, uh, Lirio. Yeah. Lirio or Lirio. Yeah. yeah. Poor Lirio. Lirio because yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I wonder what, <laughs> what the overhead is on that uh, space, <laughs> especially during COVID, you know, like that. It work. Oh God. Yeah. Do you think she's still alive? I wonder. Um, um, the... <laughs> it's a dangerous thing running a magic shop. Well, know? on Buffy, yeah. You know, they don't have a, a long <laughs> recording disaster. That could have been I mean, like... Even in this movie, yeah. like, all of a sudden there's this big boom. And, you know, I mean, I don't even know if it was really happening. Oh, that was another thing I lived yeah. for, though. It was, I mean, this is one of those things where another case is like something with this movie as a kid... Or, or as a teen, but you know, as a kid, um, would have made me just kind of like frown or just kind of raise my eyebrow in response. Yeah. But I love it now. Is um, it's when Sarah apologizes profusely and then decides to leave because there's a storm a brewing at Lirio's and everything. And Lirio yeah. has this reaction shot where she just goes, "Sarah, Sarah!" and reaches out her arm like really dramatically. Yeah. But she's already you know yards and yards away, and so she's like reaching out her arm is like near. You know, I yeah. don't know, silent movie. Actor. And I had to ask, like, did, how did she know her name? Did she tell her at one point? I can't remember. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just she knows because she's she's got the I would buy the magic. that. I, I, you know what? Yeah. I if Even if she never introduces herself and she knows to call her Sarah, I'm I'm like, well, she's a witch. Give it to yeah. Um I, I like giving good witches more power than and, the, it's scripted. Yeah. Another interesting, <laughs> since we're talking about Buffy so much, um, oh, I definitely got the... Uh, <laughs> Well, no, I definitely got like the kind of the uh, the vibe that, or just like that, they're trying to say that magic was almost like a an allegory for drug use because there's the scene where you know, Bonnie's mom comes in, just like, "Are you girls doing drugs?" And they're just like, <laughs> "Like, no." But I mean, like, they kind of are because I mean, like, it's it's like especially for someone like Nancy who just like overuses it, like it's you know sends her off on her own little path. Mm-hmm. But the another uh, thing that I got from it, more specifically with uh, Bonnie and, or not Bonnie, um, sorry, Nancy and Sarah, was just like the uh, like magic also being, you know, kind of like this code for lesbianism. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's definitely like, uh, lesbian undertones to their relationship, right? Or, like, it's not just me being like, everyone's a lesbian. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone? Yes. Uh, no, well, no, that's I, kind of I like think... your, you're like, they're straight. They must be a couple. <laughs> a couple? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're two girls and they've shared more than four sentences with each other. They must be lesbian. They are no, um, no, I, I, number one, I think if it occurs to you, then yeah. it, it, then it, there's something there. Yeah. For me personally, it, it doesn't really jump out at me, but it, you make me want to watch the movie yet again through that lens, just yeah. wondering, like, is, is the jealous, I mean, cause here we've been discussing jealousy and about, um, uh, the territoriality that Nancy feels for Chris, uh, regarding Sarah's relationship to him, but, Another angle that you could take is, is she also jealous that Chris gets to be the one to date Sarah, you know? I yeah. mean, I mean, and that's well, another thing that, 
Yeah, sorry. Go she, well, I was just going to say, she doesn't really seem to be, like, all that concerned about Chris or, you know, his well-being. or Like, because she even says, like, you're nothing to me. Like, you're right. insignificant. Well, like, you know. Yeah, but the lady doth protest too much, you know? You, you yeah. don't bother to scream you're nothing to me to someone who really is nothing yeah. to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, nothing <laughs> in a sense that, like, it's just, like, you know, he's obviously an obstacle. Like, if we're looking at it through that lens, like, he would be an obstacle mm-hmm. for her. But it was almost like a, like an insult uh, at that point that, you know, that, you know, he would make that assumption. And, and, uh, right, and she'd be right. like, no, like, it's it's not even about you. Um, because like, I think that like, you know, when she kills him, she's, she's more so like annoyed by him. It's just like, like, I just want to like get you out of the fucking picture. But when she tries to kill Sarah, like it's personal, like there's, there's more to it than, you know, just like a quick, like toss out the window. Yeah. It makes me so sad to see her apology, like her initial apology um, at the end, like when when she's finally starting to realize, oh, shit, I might not be holding all the cards after all, yeah. after all the shit, all the glamour that she has, you know, provided <laughs> in, um, in Sarah's home to like just subject her to and everything. And now Sarah is actually starting to punch back and use Manon. You know, to like work through her and everything like that. So, I mean, and that'll, that'll hit, you know, Nancy where she lives because I think Manal was kind of her thing up until yeah. that point. Um, so, and also to know that man, I, I would never want to know that the deity that I was channeling was pissed at me, you yeah. know, because then it's like, oh, fuck, now, okay. I, I just lay down and let it happen. Just, okay, fine. Just do whatever you're going to do. Give me snake fingers. Give me bugs out of my clothes. I don't know. I deserve it. Just come on. Fine. But, um, <laughs> but when she starts to apologize to her, Farusa Balk has this ability. I mean, she naturally has a vulnerability that is just forthright and has been forthright on camera since she was a little girl. It's why she was such a good Dorothy in Return to Oz and such a good, this isn't even the first witch I ever saw her play. I saw her in one of my favorite Halloween, uh, I don't know, specials, movies to behold. It was a TV movie back in the day uh, called The Worst Witch. Did you ever see this? No. Did I ever talk to you about this? She was a little no. girl. She was the worst witch. It was Harry Potter before Harry Potter. And basically like little girls going to school, learning to be witches and cast spells and okay. all that. And the it was run the whole school was run by Charlotte Ray, Mrs. Garrett from Facts of Life, who was, you know, like the Grand High Witch. But she was good. And her schoolmistress, who was very severe and hard on her, was played by Diana Rigg, who we last discussed oh. in our last night on Soho yeah. pod. Yeah, Diana Rigg was so good, too. She was all stern and like, get out of my sight! And, you know, all that kind of <laughs> character. And um, <laughs> and uh, it's the TV movies remembered. It's lived on in infamy on the internet every Halloween because... It, there's a memeified music video that Tim Curry sings about Halloween because he plays kind of the grand high wizard or whatever. And he comes to visit them and goes, welcome you witches, you know, <laughs> and just sings about every heart will shudder and just sing anything can happen on Halloween. And it's got some of the worst, not even green screen, like blue screen going on behind him. 
where there's like polar bears and whales and I don't know, just weird National Geographic yeah. <laughs> B-roll um, footage, stock footage that they have running behind him. Anyway, it's to- it's on YouTube I'm, I'm for free. Stream it if you want. Yeah, it, it's yeah. in its entirety on YouTube. I watch it. I think I watch it every year at Halloween yeah. time. I don't often, you know, reserve things for that particular period. I watch horror whenever. Yeah. But that's one thing that makes me feel autumnal yeah. and it's not scary at all. It's it's, you know, it's an English produced TV movie that's cheap AF but so yeah. heartwarming. Anyway, for that that might have been my first introduction to Feruza Balk if it wasn't yeah. Return to Oz. I forget which yeah. came first. I am but, um, yeah, I think it looked like it that uh, came second. Um, yeah, because I was eighty six. But I don't know what I Return saw. I don't know what I saw first. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one I saw. Feruza Balk was also in Valmond. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. Valmond is, is that... it's the dangerous liaisons that liaisons wasn't liaisons, and she played the like the Uma Thurman character cecile <gasps> but i think maybe for like other people that are you know like that that's cruel intentions right. cruel, cruel intentions, intentions like yeah. the the teen version so she would have been the selma boyer character right, right. but it looks like meg meg <laughs> tilly is the uh the reese witherspoon <gasps> character or the michelle pfeiffer character Mich- depending or, on or which michelle movie pfeiffer. you're watching yeah and annette yeah. benning oh is uh uh, the, the Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller slash Glenn Close, we'll say. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, I got to watch that now. We may but as yeah. well just say now. It's like spoil it for the, the <laughs> even though it's, we're in May and the, the, the Buffy season five episode hasn't come out yet. Next month's yeah. Cherry Picker After Dark is going to be Cruel Intentions. So right. <laughs> look forward to that. <laughs> just, just, um. just, just so you know now. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, Feruza Bulk, I, I had a point yeah. and I got completely lost just going down her roster of <laughs> child yeah. actress. Uh, uh, We're all over the place in this one. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, but I love watching her just because I also took next to no notes just because I watched the movie. I wanted yeah. to watch the movie. <laughs> but um, anyway, she, I, like I said, strange, like strange, effortless vulnerability but that doesn't mean that she is always put upon like everything that she does seems to come out of reaction to something that's happening to her regardless of whether it is overtly aggressive or whether it's like very very still and seemingly compassionate with a question mark at the end of it um but when she uh, uh uh when she so when she's apologizing to sarah i i almost forget what follows which is the madness and the stabbing and the i'll kill you and the just the the this manic quality that she brings where she completely unleashes herself because she doesn't want to be bound by sarah she doesn't want someone to be more powerful than her and she just like i I get the impression (laughs) that she hates nothing more as much as sarah in that typical virgo uh, this is a Virgo quality. Yeah. We don't mind being subservient to people or being, you know, kind of like sub, you know, like uh, uh, working under someone if we respect the people that we're working under. But if we don't respect you, we're not going to want to work for you. We're going to take the lead ourselves and try to get as many people on our side because it needs to be done right. Yeah. And I, that's that's totally Sarah. <laughs> well, I'm with, glad um, I, I correctly. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's that's one particular trait where I definitely identify with her. Yeah. But um, as far as uh, uh, 
yeah, watching this because it, it does feel like a, a a prison, a perceived prison that Nancy will only go to kicking and screaming and thrashing yeah. and stabbing, <laughs> which I mean, salivating. Like, and, yeah. yeah, ironic, just given like where she ends up by the end of the movie. But you know, I I, I like when you don't take notes. I think you should do that more often. I I, I prefer your your insights when you you just come to them organically rather than just like. These are the notes I'm going to hit. Not that checklist, you do that Checklist, checklist, Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's very Virgo. Sometimes it's, it expedites things. Like, this is a longer form. Like, we can just yeah. talk freely about the movie. But in a, when we're talking about a series, for instance, yeah. like, it's harder to... Yeah, yeah. no, totally. It's harder to remember um, things and bring them up. But, yeah, everything anyway, you just um, described about Nancy there. Like, it's just, like, again, it's that, like, conditional friendship where just, like, I'm sorry, yeah. but... Only, like, if you do everything that I say. And it's almost like it's very Eric Cartman again. Like, I love bringing everything back to South Park and Cartman. <laughs> but it's it's like, I'm sorry. Because it's just like, you know, you got caught being a shitty uh, person. And, you know, you have to apologize to make sure you get what you want. And then you don't. And then you're just like, well, fuck you. You know? Like, you know. Right. So it's... <laughs> I, but I love the way that she plays it just because I, I think that Nancy as a character is able, like she, there, there are not many moments in the movie, but you know, when, when she has them, like she's able to draw so much empathy uh, yeah. with, with what she's, you know, experiencing. And I think like, you know, we, we especially see that in the scene with her stepfather and there's oh, like and she, like she's very protective of her mother too even though her mother's like yeah. kind of a monster um but there's just that moment when like he's starts to have a heart attack because i don't yeah. think that she's making that happen right then and there i think that that's just like the the wheels have already been set in motion sure. by the group well before that but she's just she's just standing there and she's like staring at him and she's just kind of like standing her ground and she's being like, don't you touch me. Like, don't you touch my mother. Mm-hmm. Just like she has that look on her face. And, you know, we see her, like, come back yeah. to the to the trailer. And she's, like, in her room with the leaky roof. And it's just, like, you know, it's, like, you you feel bad for her. Like, if she wasn't such, yeah. uh, like, a shit disturber. I mean, like, that's why, like, a, a series, like you, you, you pointed out, would be a great way to, like, explore the character uh, beyond that. But it, it we do get another great moment. Um uh, from Rochelle actually is right yes, before this yes. when everyone's everyone's like wish has come true except for Nancy and she's right. just annoyed and she takes off and they're like what's what's with her yeah. and Rochelle's just like oh she's just upset because she's white trash and I told her like because well, her spell's not yeah, working yeah and she's like well what did she wish for and she's like well I don't know to be less white trash or something I don't know <laughs> like, she's like but honey I, I told her it's like you're white <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> such fun. I, yeah, yeah could have used so much more of that. I could have yeah. used twenty two episodes of the of this this group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know what? The tragedy ultimately, like, and this is another thing that just like lends itself to yeah. um, the, uh, the 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 truth that's being depicted and shaped um, is I don't know maybe the nature of some friendships uh and i don't i don't want to bring anybody down but mm-hmm. i mean you know a lot of friendships don't last and particularly friendships from high school you know like you some friendships like actually start earlier than high school and end in high school because <clears throat> yeah. people start 
you know, determining who they're going to be and, and people lose touch or people just make decisions or whatever. And one of the things that kind of breaks my heart, uh, toward the end is because you talk about the conditional, um, uh, uh, friendship from Nancy, but I feel like it's also absolutely true of Rochelle and of Bonnie because yeah. again, it just is like we, we just saw Nancy make what seemed to be an apology in earnest <laughs> and then turn on a dime when it's not working to her advantage and she just wants to stab the shit out of her. Same thing in a microcosmic way happens as um, Bonnie and Rochelle are in the driveway and Sarah's moving away and everything like that. And they're apologizing and they want to know, does she have her powers and everything? Oh, she's like not that. moving away. Oh, I, I thought that, why did I think she was moving away? Well, I think that, that her father was just like doing some work on the house probably because it got destroyed during the whole oh okay Nancy thing. i don't i don't know no no because they they didn't allude to her moving away because oh for some um, reason oh for some reason I, okay again yeah. me reading into things because no because they said leaving. they're like oh we we, we want to hang out sometimes and, like you know if she was moving away they would oh that's true that's true yeah right that's true okay sorry i'm tired um anyway so she's not moving away but she they're not friends anymore and but they come over and they start apologizing in, you know, what seems to be earnest or at least earnest for them because they are a little shallow. And so it doesn't run that deep. But it seems relatively sincere. But then once she, you know, tells them, like, you know, basically, no, hold your breath until yeah. I make up my mind, you know. And they start to walk away. And I forget who says it to who, but one person says to the other, like, she probably doesn't have any powers anyway. And, yeah. they, just go, <laughs> and they just kind of, like, laugh it off. And I'm like, oh, my God, you haven't? fucking changed like after yeah. all of that that bonding and all of that closeness and all of that perceived friendship now you're just you're still like giggling about her having a disadvantage or the, even the thought of her having a disadvantage yeah. the way you do like fuck you can guys. i just say like i actually felt that that characterization from them was mm -hmm. like inauthentic i guess it's like okay it's out of character but um okay. it, it, it yeah it didn't it, it felt weird to me because i didn't really get that vibe from them through the movie like they started out as nice right. people and yeah. the only thing that was sort of like changing them like they didn't seem to be as corrupted by the power uh on the same level as like nancy was uh or just like you know when they were starting to d be awful to sarah it was seemed more so just because of like nancy's influence so yeah. like you know what i saw was like genuine friendship between them earlier in the movie and it didn't feel like it was forced in a way that you know it might have been with with nancy and sarah so yeah that always just mm. seemed weird and i think it was like almost just like a very written way to have show that the the audience that the parents weren't killed because it was like i mean it was so heavily implied that everything that sarah was experiencing in the house at the end there was part of the glamour so it just it would almost sure. felt kind of like cheap for i forget which i think it was rochelle that's just like because she's like hi mr whatever the fuck Sarah's last name is, and they're just like, you do know Bailey. That Bailey. Bailey. You <laughs> yes. do you do know that, you know, that was part of the glamour. Just like, well, no shit, right. Sherlock. He's clearly alive right now. It it was just like one of those things that was like he she was not saying that to Sarah. 
for Sarah's benefit. It was just for the audience. And it felt like such a, like, like don't stop trading us. Like we're stupid. We know that the parents weren't actually killed in a plane crash and it was, and it was fake. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was almost like they just did that. They're like, well, that's such a weird thing to come back. Cause she doesn't even like really apologize for it. Um, but they're they're just like, well, it would be cool if we can get together. So I mean, I I almost right. wish that there was a better resolution for those characters than what we got. But at the same time, I kind of like how badass uh, it was for that's what for Sarah is. to have that yeah. moment. Um, but Sarah can't bring a branch down on them if they're genuinely contrite. contrite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but know. I mean, you can't have like, like Laura be- Lizzie like show up in the driveway. At the, like she has no reason to be there because it would be cool if like <laughs> they threw a branch down on her um, uh, or something like that. Also, I I did want to ask you about uh, Laura Lizzie because yeah. there's the scene. Oh God. Well, what they what's I guess the the spell. Or the the, mm. the wish uh, for Rochelle is just like as long as Laura Lizzie was going to be awful to her, like she, her hair was going to mm-hmm. continue to fall out. So sure. I don't know what you made of like the scene at the end when like they show up at the party and mm-hmm. uh, Laura Lizzie's wearing that awful wig and she's just yes. kind of like, "Hey, Rochelle, how are yeah. you?" And it was and Rochelle's right. just like, "Whatever, uh, yeah, like why are you talking right. to me?" But it was like. Was that her almost like kind of like trying to make amends or just like be a better person? Because it was never explored beyond that. That was like the last. No, time No, it saw wasn't. Her. And it almost felt it would have like, been interesting if it had been. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, but... It almost felt like I think like if I had a complaint for both uh, Rochelle and Bonnie is that like their arc was not complete, yeah. and well, it, yeah. like there was so much work put into it. Uh, throughout like the beginning and the middle of the movie that for for it to just get kind of thrown away by the end there um like yeah. they obviously learned a lesson because you know the, but maybe not because they were still bitchy by the end so that's probably what i don't like about it that's an interesting critique uh for this movie is and i feel like i've been moving toward it like the whole pod just saying it should be a series because then yeah. you can expand upon everything we're discussing because you brought up that moment with uh <clears throat> Uh, in in the car when Bonnie and um, Rochelle are sitting in the back seat, and uh, Sarah's like, "Bonnie, you used to be nice, and now you're just you know shallow bitch." And <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking like we've we've set it up beautifully, and Nev has done an incredible job like playing the pain of it while those needles are going into her back and everything like that, and then the effect of like you know the spell and them just kind of brushing you know, the skin off, the gone, gone, gone are the scars and everything like that. And then she gets to come in school and, you know, where even I, I've remembered her wearing a lot less than she was actually wearing. I thought she had like spaghetti straps and like maybe a low cut thing and then like a drip, something backless to really show it off. And really, she's just wearing like a tank top or something, you know, like it's but it's 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 impactful because she wouldn't have been able to wear that, you know, with, with, without being self-conscious about her scars. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all set up so beautifully, even to the point where like she, she has that triumphant smile as she's like brushing her hair away from her face and stuff like that. Cause she's getting noticed and stuff. And then the next time, kind of the next time we see her within that context, she's being told she's become shallow. It would have been nice if there had been, 
a scene or two or three mm-hmm. where we get to see kind of like the beauty turn ugly, you yeah. know, like just see her treating like even if there was someone who she was nice to before who she suddenly kind of dissing or not paying attention to because guys who are more important are paying attention to her now. Yeah. Things like that, you know, would have been, yeah. I would have, which, eaten, which eaten they didn't up. have, they would have they, only, yeah, they didn't have time for. And, and right, right, right. Span this was. Cause they're, and, cause, and cause it's a movie and it's I, a short movie. Yeah. But I will say that for the performances of, of mm-hmm. uh, Rachel True and Nev Campbell, like they make these characters memorable despite them yeah, being do. underwritten. Uh, to a point mm-hmm. that you know, like you, you come out of this movie and you really remember this this foursome uh, so much yeah. so that they they've got their own Funko Pops. You know, that's how uh, much of an impact they've had on pop culture. So yeah. it really is just a testament to 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 their talent. And I mean, obviously, we know uh, what Nev Campbell is is capable and has gone on to. But I don't really know like much about Rachel True's career do you know anything else that she's done um nothing that i've seen uh i remember seeing her i remember seeing her in horror noir when she was discussing you know um her role and then like the greater kind of like arc of uh of uh the presence of black characters in horror cinema and things like that um it made me realize i don't think i've seen her prior to that i'm looking at her half-baked is the only other Thing that's oh, okay. just, like, at least on her like known for uh, listing. She's going to be in Half Baked Two. Oh, there's a sequel. So that's coming. Okay. Yeah, there's a sequel. That it's an upcoming project on her IMDb. I know. Interesting. But um, yeah, and she was on a show called Family Reunion that I saw. She was only on one episode. She was a guest star though, and she's good. You know, she's great. I love mm-hmm. watching her. But I'm trying to see if there's any other movies of hers that I've seen. I didn't see. Oh God, <laughs> I didn't see Sharknado: Heart of Sharkness. Which one is that? I don't know. It's the one she's in. <laughs> it was released in 2015. Well, they usually have a number um, oh, of what. Which one and she's it? in the second one. No, but this one doesn't have a number. She was in Sharknado two, the second okay. one. So there's See, that's that. helpful. She in the first one? See, I only saw the first Sharknado, so I haven't seen I Sharknado I saw like yet. half of it. Ooh, she did an episode. I have to rewatch this series. This uh, She did uh, Noah's Ark. It was kind of like the um, the answer to Queerest Folk for like the black community. It was, okay. it was a, a really, really good show. I got to go back and revisit those episodes. Daryl Stevens. Ooh, beautiful. Um, let me see. Anything else? She was on an episode of Dawson's Creek. In 2001, I guess. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at other things. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of anyway uh, titles. And then, like, yeah. yeah, guest spots on stuff. Like, oh, she was in Nowhere, that Greg Araki film that nobody remembers. Huh. Oh, I remember it, though. Okay. Well, I guess on, on that note, um, is there anything else that you uh, wanted to bring up about the craft? The before craft. We, before we get to picking some cherries? Um... I, I I wouldn't be against a requel. <laughs> you <laughs> mean like to, to fix, like to ignore the one that came yeah. out already? And even though like we're judging it, we haven't seen it, but I mean like... Like, I, well, this is the thing. Make it work. Like Marvel did it with Thor Dark World. That was nobody's favorite Marvel movie, but they incorporated into Avengers Endgame and all of a sudden... 
you're you're valuing it as a piece of you know yeah. like we're not going to ignore it we're not going to pretend it didn't happen it happened but we're going to use it in a way like same thing um yeah. all we can do is think mcu at this point um i'm sure there's okay are there examples in scream like things that they or, didn't retcon but that they actually revisited and said yes that happened and <laughs> this is why it's relevant kind yeah. of thing you know like reintroducing elements of i don't know scriforum or scream 3 well i um, mean would you like want a requel or would you just want them to like start fresh with a series kind of like what they did with like from buffy the the movie to buffy the series because obviously you're gonna have to no. unless you're just bringing back these characters again or just starting fresh with with new people they don't even have to be the same characters but just like the same kind of uh archetypes i i i'm too much in the same way with buffy when i saw the movie before i saw the series i'm too tied to the movie (laughs) to be open to a brand new series with a brand new Sarah and and whatnot. I don't, I don't need the roles to be recast. What I'd really like to see is these women as adults. Where are they? What have they learned? What do they have to come up against? And yeah. how many of them have kids who were the age that they were okay, when I'm the gonna, original craft? Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because, I mean, I'm, I don't want to see kids. I'm, and this is like part of the problem with the requel is just like, why does the why does like the baton need to be passed over to another generation? Fuck that. I'm not interested <laughs> in kids. I'm not like I've heard like people have talked a lot about like, you know, if they ever, you know, if and when they bring Sydney back to scream, it's going to be like about her kids, her daughters. And I'm just like, I'm not interested in them. I mean, on paper, that might sound nice, but I'd much rather if like you do revisit something like The Craft I'd much rather just see a story about these four women in their adult life now, in however old they are, in like their late 40s or 50s, and explore that. Like, you know, we're already in a time in Hollywood where where women who are of a certain age aren't being represented uh, enough on screen. You know, you do have like your your Jamie Lee Curtis's, you know, coming back Mm -hmm. and doing you know, Halloween and uh, everything everywhere all at once, but it's few and far between, like we keep saying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I would, I don't need to see like the younger generation or just like the offspring of these people. I want to see these four characters if they come back and then like were to revisit that power again and where they are in their life. And, you know, they don't even need to have kids, but it would just be interesting to see them. And if they do have kids, they could be so incidental, just like in the like. Oh yeah, the kids are fine. You know, I got a sitter taking care uh, of them while we while we do. Spells. No, but see, no, but see, then we get a situation like I don't know if you've ever seen Grace and Frankie. Um, I've watched like the first two seasons, and I remember I what I loved was watching Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and Sam Waterston and Martin Sheen and everything because I'm like, oh my god, they're honey. That's a that's generations ahead of this. Like they're these. No, are- no, no. But no, but li- let me listen. Let me make my point. They were written very, very funny and very, very interesting and 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 very, very that there was dimension that was being mined episode after episode, and then we'd get to their kids, and I found their kids to be so boring. And well, they don't I, have the them answer. There. For, no, no, no. The answer for me is not eliminate kids. The answer for me is like, why can't we write everybody to be equally interesting or at least 
if they're not interesting, don't let them occupy as much screen time. They don't have they don't have to not be there, but they don't have to be on screen the same amount of time as their elder counterparts when they're not as interesting. Let's go with what's interesting and yeah. follow that. Now, I'm not saying that all four of these women in the craft have to have children. <laughs> in fact, I don't want them to because mm-hmm. especially in Nancy's case, I'd be like, Wait, what? How did that happen? Um, like, <laughs> I mean, she, did she fall in love with her with her psychiatrist over in in the facility that she was being housed in? Like, what happened? Well, I mean, but, can um, I can I am I allowed to spoil reference the spoiler? Okay. Well, I mean, it it's on a pod, so yeah. if people don't want to hear the spoiler. Fast forward, like I don't know, sixty seconds. I don't know how long is this going to take. It's 20, 20 seconds. Okay, twenty. Um, 20 yeah, seconds. the new craft movie. The main character, the main girl. It turns out that she's adopted, and Nancy is her mother. And we see Feruza Balk at the end of the movie. I haven't seen it. I just like watched one of those like ending explain videos. So Nancy does show up at the end because she goes to visit her in the mental hospital and that's it. She just goes in and Nancy looks up and the movie ends. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember hearing like what the connection is or like when it happened. Obviously it was before the movie that she was pregnant, but she has a daughter. So how if you want to see, if you want to see the daughter Oh wait, so she's her birth How did what? Okay, that's just Anyway, stupid. that Maybe anyway, that yeah. Can like, be retconned. We don't need to Maybe that talk can about be retconned. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so what 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 Zach just said, it's stupid if you're tuning back in. I didn't <laughs> say it. I'm just <laughs> No, I mean not it, that Zach is stupid, but he just said something that happened that was stupid. It was a stupid decision that was made. So, yeah, we can retcon that. Anyway, right. um <laughs> but what I would like if there are, cause you know, I don't know, find out what the statistics are in, in out of four women, how many would have children and give that many children and, <laughs> and have them figure in however, like the writers think it will best serve the story. But yes, ultimately at the core of this, we want to see these women and see what they, what them interacting with each other is going to be like. And let's even explore some things we didn't get to explore in the movie, like everything that you and I feel that was, you know, we missed out on like more time with bonnie and with rochelle you know things like that i'd appreciate that kind of thing yeah just just have them get together just have them get together for like a glass of wine or whatever and just like no (laughs) and then they just kind of see that no because then it's like now let's cast a spell just for old times sake get a little do it yeah okay oh i hate that shit that sounds so First Rather than some prophecy <laughs> that just like they all come together again. Anyway, there's a let way. us know there's your requel um, idea. And I'm just saying that they have to. I just want to see them like on good terms, even if it's for like five minutes. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. If there could be something real. No, I mean, again, as adults, yeah. there are th- going to be things that carry over. You know, that you carry from when you're a teen into adulthood, but there's also things that you can change, that you can heal. I'm just so scared that they would get somebody wrong, one of the four of them wrong. I'm just thinking, now I'm just thinking about like, and just like that. Did you see any of that? I don't watch the that Sex in the City no. requel. You, oh my God. Okay. All I, I just can know say that is Samantha's I'm not, gonna... not there. Yeah. Um, although. <laughs> She, they they don't they, they they don't write her out necessarily, but um like oh do they do still... the Deborah Messing thing where she's just having a nap or 
They do. <laughs> <laughs> they do the thing where she is the pile of coats. But <laughs> but um no, they just it's um I completely lost train of thought. Now I'm just thinking about Deborah Messing as a pile of coats. <laughs> you're you're just talking, talking about, how, they, about? how and then whatever the fuck Oh, and just like that. And, and just yeah. like that. No. What what I will say is like cuz I I don't want to linger on it, but I I watched it. I watched every episode of that freaking season at a dead run. Like I went from beginning to end because I couldn't walk away. It is a collision c- crash like mob scene <laughs> or a disaster scene of a series reboot and or requel what have you that you cannot look away from like you if you start it you'd better get comfortable because you're gonna have to finish it and then when you're when it's over you're gonna need a shower for the inside of you you know what i mean like you're just like what did i just do and um that's how i was anyway and and now it's got re- renewed for another season and i mm. know at some point i'm gonna see it and i'm ugh, i don't want them to do that to the craft i want okay more. great no no whatever the fuck and, and just like and that just, no and just like that um noted anyway uh if if there's anything else that we need to talk about we can we can no. move along There's always more, but let's move on. Okay. (laughs) Let's get to the cherry picking. On purpose. Cherry on top. Eh? (sighs) Who are you feeling? I mean, there's only one. Oh Jesus. As far as I'm concerned. It's it's Nancy. Who are you gonna who are you gonna say? I like them all. Like, I think there's a case to be made for Sarah, but Nan, I mean, Nancy is, she should not be as watchable and as entertaining as she is. But yeah. Feruza Bulk is everything. So, yeah, I agree. I concur. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so, Cherry Picker, last week we asked you who deserves to die the most in Evil Dead Rise. I nominated Jessica. Edward, right. you nominated Aunt Beth. Across <laughs> Patreon, Instagram, and YouTube, the total yeah. came to 660 for Jessica versus 135 for Aunt Beth. Ooh, if only I had 129, you would have had 666. <laughs> Did you just do that math that real would quick have... in your... Yeah, it's six. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's yeah, only yeah, six. Right. <laughs> That's quick math. I can't, I can't keep up with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jessica Browning. I vote for Jessica simply because I felt horrible for Beth being pregnant and not wanting it. Going to her sister and then getting caught in a blood path hellscape and the fact she survived and saved the little girl. I mean, that's pretty badass, even if she was a shitty, self-absorbed sister. I also cannot fucking wait to hear Eddie's reasoning on this one. (laughs) Ha ha. Love this podcast and both you guys. A lot of people feel like Beth is a badass. I was shocked. I was I was getting it in, in my DMs. People just kind of like, Beth's a badass. What's wrong with you? And I was just like, that was the sentiment. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Like, well, first of all, thank you, Jessica. To the pod. Thank you, thank Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think that she's a badass at all. But I also don't <laughs> think that she's punishable by death uh, in, in a cherry picker. So I'm kind of like in the 
in the middle there with you, but let's see what else uh, people are saying. <laughs> CL uh, says, I choose Jessica, but was surprised the kid who not only opened the book, but also played the obviously evil recordings isn't an option. Also, Jessica's sister was far more deserving, in my opinion. Quite obnoxious. <gasps> are we sure Jessica was even possessed? Maybe it's just a clever excuse to plea insanity. <gasps> the demon made me give my sis a haircut. I mean, she did drive for hours all the way to the cabin, possessed, <laughs> suspicious. But either way, that was quite the opening. Good for you, Jess. Slay queen. <laughs> I'm I, so confused. I got confused, too. I think that they're, um, they're saying that the, the girl at the beginning, who was not Jessica, was Jessica's sister. I don't know if that was oh. established. It just seemed like she was her friend. I thought she was just a friend. Yeah. There was no resemblance. I yeah. don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sucked, <laughs> says Jessica for sure. She had her AirPods in, ignoring the craziness, and went off about her day in the morning, pretending that she doesn't live in a building filled with deadites. I know this person all too well. <laughs> Beth is my goth bay. P.S. I would love for you two to talk about the slasher Cherry Falls. Starring Brittany Murphy. I think it would be hilarious conversation, and I'm Ooh. sure many haven't seen it in years. I've never Cherry seen Cherry Falls. Falls. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay. I mean, I, I do love Brittany Murphy. Me too. Sean P. Sadly, I haven't been able to see the movie yet. My mother's been sick for a few weeks, and I'm waiting for her to recover. This unfortunately means I have to be that person for a change and choose Jessica because she has the most votes. Hope you guys have a great week. Well, we're hoping for the best for your mother. I hope that she has a a speedy recovery. And this was three days ago. So hopefully, I mean, by the time this is released, uh, it, it'll have been a while. So hopefully everything's all good by then. But uh, yeah. you don't have to vote There's if you don't want to. So, yeah. Um, don't don't go with the don't go with the crowd. Uh, on no. it. Just you know, save save your vote for the next one. Um, yeah. But thank you, Sean. Kaylee uh, can't wait for the pod. This pod, um, which is out now, so now you can listen to it. So thank you, Kaylee. Um, Michael Begley, Jessica. I suppose I'm dying to hear the reasoning behind Beth. Um, <laughs> Which we heard. Mm-hmm. We've heard, yeah. Yeah, I made my case. Uh, uh, movie John, Maniac. Zach, Zach does not want to hear it again. <laughs> well, I mean, I heard it for, for two hours. But I know. <laughs> I think choosing... Or sorry, Movie Maniac 03. I think choosing between the two was hard because there are zero likable or unlikable characters in this movie. But I chose Beth mainly because I feel like I should care about the main character. And I couldn't care Less. I think the hype for this movie was way too high and kind of got my expectations through the roof. Um, That's fair. I kind of feel like the the same thing. Like there were no like overly unlikable or likable characters. Everyone was just kind of straddling the the middle ground there. Uh, Except for the boyfriend who I would have chosen if I weren't voting my conscience, voting my heart. But the boyfriend of Jessica, he, whatever his name was. In the Caleb. Yeah. That guy. Well, yeah. you don't always I love have that to. you remember his name. You don't always. I mean, I try to, you know, I, I circled through all of the potentials. So, you know, I had to. <laughs> um, 
Lord Flockati. Uh, this one is really fair. I'm assuming that's said with sarcasm. The sarcasm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crazy Craft 900. I liked this movie. Got to see it in cinema on first day. It released in UK. I would vote for that oh. stupid monster at the end. It was so bad. By the way, I love your horror <laughs> podcast. Thank Aww, you, Crazy thank you. Craft 900. Jack Yay. Ellis. Beth is a icon. She shouldn't have even been a option. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Kimberly Monroe. I suppose it's easier to want Jessica to die more than Beth because she became a deadite and killed both her friends, whereas Beth doesn't do that. She's actively tries to save her sister's kids. So I'll have to go with Beth. But if there's any reason not to choose Jessica, it's that fucking title card. I want to go see the movie again just to witness that title card another time. Applause. Applause. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Jalen, Jessica, of course. How do you not smell all of that blood and guy uh blood and guys going on to your car? Did her talking Gut, on the phone? Guts. Yeah, guts. Uh probably. Uh going on <laughs> to your car. Did her talking on the phone make her lose her other senses? Awareness was on F. Let's not mention her forcing her sister to come despite her wanting to back out. LOL. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, ja obviously Jessica. Uh, Amethyst Frost voting for Jessica because she was a throwaway character in the unrelated wraparound segment of the actual movie. I didn't care much about Beth either, but she was... Whatever. Fine, I guess. A Mary Sue is a female <laughs> character who lacks flaws slash is perfect at everything she does. I get the sense that professional male writers accidentally write Mary Sues because they're trying really hard to make a female character competent or at the same level of male characters. So because it was mentioned in the episode, I don't think Beth qualifies as one because she's so bland and only had one or two skills she excelled in. Eddie made a great point that she locks Deadite Ellie out in the hallway where Ellie kills all the neighbors and Mary Sue wouldn't do something that makes them look like such an asshole. Mary Sue's are supposed Ooh. to be likable and perfect. Of the sure. movies covered on the Cherry Picker recently, I'd say Lisa from Nightmare 2 is closer to a Mary Sue than Beth. What's her name is? Lisa is rich, beautiful to the extent that she looks like Meryl Streep. Super popular <laughs> at school. The only one smart enough to do any research to fight Freddy and ultimately uses her writer-given love uh, powers to both defeat a supernatural entity and turn a gay boy straight. Lisa does spend a lot of time crying, though. A lot, a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse! <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't feel yeah. very Mary Sue to me. But, but uh, good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, Craig says all the neighbors on that floor they were pointless, even being wrote into the script. They did nothing apart right. from one who had a shotgun. Right. There was a lot of potential uh, nominations. There here. was Thomas Baker, Jessica, just because. And Silent Saturn <laughs> says, uh, guys, a Mary Sue is a perfect female character that's good at everything, has no flaws, and masters every situation with ease and without trouble, and therefore is unrealistic and unrelatable. Beth is clearly not that. If anything, Eddie faulting her for her stupid decisions is unbeknownst 
faulting her for being less of a Mary Sue than he'd like her to be. Anyway, that term is just a buzzword for incels who don't like female characters in the lead and doesn't really mean anything. I don't think it has any place on the cherry picker. Back on topic, my vote goes to Jessica. She wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Well said. I think, yeah, like Mary, I'm just going to Mary Sue, um, literary. Because now... I just want to see in particular, because I saw that it was... We're, a, we're into definitions now. We're a, into strict yeah, definitions a, now. A, so. a Mary Sue is a character archetype in fiction, usually a young woman who is often portrayed as inexplicably competent across all domains, gifted with unique talents or powers, liked or respected by most other characters, unrealistically free of weaknesses, extremely attractive, innately virtuous, and or generally lacking meaningful character flaws. Usually female and almost always the main character, a Mary Sue is often an author's idealized self-insertion and may serve as a form of wish fulfillment. Mary Sue's stories are often written by adolescent authors. Um, Mm. the The term was actually coined by... Uh, a woman, Paula Smith, in the 1973 parody short story, A Trekkie's Tale. So I don't mm. necessarily agree that it's an incel uh, term. If well, it, they it, probably it, claimed it yeah. now. I think they're the ones who keep, kept it alive, but the, even though they didn't originate with them. But the, yeah. that, what's interesting about that is what's, what, what's got me hooked on this is the meaningful part of like a character that doesn't lack flaws, but a character who lacks meaningful flaws, meaning... She can be flawed, but not in any way that endears. It does actually endear her in a genuine way to an audience. Am I wrong in assuming that? I don't know. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. That sounds a, no. That's that. That sounds fine to me. I. I mean, I was the one that brought up that you know she's kind of, you know, just based on my understanding of like what they said in Scream, 2022, and they're just like the main character is a Mary Sue. They're like, what's a Mary right, Sue? Right, right, you right. don't want to know. <laughs> and um, that's, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of like got the, the impression from her. Just like she was capable and, you know, she had her own. It was almost like a modern day equivalent of that. So, right. I mean, there's there's always room for interpretation. But I just felt like she she had that quality, which I think is like a quality that we see in a lot of like final girl by default, where just like you're the final girl by default because you lasted till the end but by really Mm -hmm. like not doing anything other than being the one that was not targeted because i still think that ellie um would have been the more interesting and more capable um badass final girl in that movie had she been the one Mm -hmm. uh in in beth's position but that's just well in the yeah in the interest of uh potentially pouring oil over troubled waters i'd like to also say i'll probably abstain from using (laughs) any kind of vocabulary on the pod in the future if i don't feel that i have a full grasp on it (laughs) because obviously mary sue was not a concept that i use often to describe female characters so yeah i I don't even remember how it came up in the last pod but and sorry guys this there's also i mean it, it it works uh, both ways there's you know the term has been applied to male characters as well though a male character mm-hmm. with similar traits may be labeled a gary stew or a marty stew so <laughs> and it, we as far as i'm concerned we can use the term mary stew but we have to use it in 
when it applies to male characters as well. So I agree, you know, like we should not be singling out just the 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 bland sure. females who yeah. are like overly capable without any reason. So, you know, I'll I'll point out a Gary Stew if we ever get to one. <laughs> I'll do e- some more research and try to yeah. yeah, I'll try to apply Mary Sue in life the way I have with the term bitch cuz I'm uncomfortable using that term solely for uh any women or female identifying people. Uh, but I'm very just, comfortable using it among yeah. men and male identifying people. Well, just like put a little <laughs> spin on reason. it. Use like biatch. Yeah, no, but I, nah. I, I, I sometimes when you're angry, you need to just say, you fucking All bitch. right. But, um, Let's... but, but I, I, I like using it against men. Anyway, okay. Okay. go on. All right. Thanks, bitch. <laughs> uh, Thanks, so, bitch. So we have to uh, nominate and I get... Uh, first dibs here yeah. so i don't know this character's name was it like harold <laughs> i'm trying to think of like what she called him the, the stepfather um, oh here uh, let me look let me see if i can find him nancy's Cause... nancy's stepfather does he not have a name um i'm just like looking through the cast list here i can't see it i'm probably just like skipping right by it but uh that's who i'm picking is is uh is uh nancy's stepfather i don't see him on here yeah i just i see the mother grace but Mm -hmm. uh i don't know you make your nomination well i mean do i need a reason he's just he's gross and he's abusive uh to, to both of them you know he he like lifts up her her robe and and he doesn't pay the fucking electricity bills so fuck that guy yeah yeah or don't um <laughs> no, fuck him um in the in the and in he the even drawing. says there's even a thing because she's because the mom's like she's come stumbles out drunk she's just like what what good are you for and he's like you know what i'm good for yeah. and it's like yeah fuck off no fuck i don't off think so yeah so that's that's <laughs> who i'm picking Okay, um, and we didn't really address him uh, a lot. We talked about him in relation to everybody else. But we didn't really discuss him. And Ray Saunders him. is is the name, according oh, okay. to according to Google. Ray Saunders is a minor character in the craft. He's the second husband of Grace Down Saunders and Nancy Down's okay. stepfather. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Look at you, Mister Research. Um, now we know who a Mary Sue is and who Ray Saunders is. <laughs> but <laughs> He's a Ray I'm Saunders. Gonna go, I'm going to go with someone else who didn't occupy a lot of time in the pod also. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Hooker, uh, Skeet Ulrich's character. Because um, the character in and of itself is kind of everything that's wrong with not just... Not, I mean, not the movie, like I don't, but everything that's wrong with the school and with society and just like the, the social dynamics. The fact that a guy like that can go out with a girl and then basically ruin her reputation, you know, before anybody even gets an opportunity to meet her, just with his damning words. He has no powers, yet he has an immense ability to affect the lives, and both inner and external, of these characters, these core four that we care about. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that he has that, that kind of a reach. Um, and then he's no better when he has the spell cast on him. Um, I, 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 
I'm very uncomfortable with this character. I would, I mean, I would say that anything like post spell should not count though. But should it not count? Well, I'm just trying to think here because it's like, it's like he is being like his will has been taken away from him. So it's like, that's, I mean, there's, there's, there's there's anyone, but what, but the question is when you're under a spell, is it a uniform reaction? Like is the spell in the driver's seat and you're the passenger or does it mingle with impulses you would have and have, you know, help you gain access to things you would do if this was the way you felt it's it's a kind of a muddy water but anyway okay. but everything so it like it, you know it, it takes away your conscience and you're you're just kind of left with know. your id and that I, and the that thing is i don't think the movie knows i don't know if the movie answers that question for us either, i don't think the movie cares i will say yeah. even but even if we discount everything after the spell like you know the attempted assault and the the stalking and the and, the, and even the demanding like the like yeah. he, he's terrible but um he's the fact awful, that yeah. he but prior to that, he's awful. Yeah. He's he's he before that he's egotistical, dishonest, um, uh, uh, and 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 laughs in the face of broken hearts that he has caused. And I, I don't like any of those. And it was like, either. and it was such a. I mean, sorry, I'm making your case here, but just like <laughs> he he literally like that was his response after like their their first date if you can even call that a date and all she said is like i have to get home and he got so fucking offended by that that it's just like he had to go to school and just you know like if they had continued like you know he probably put in a little bit more work and then you know could have could have you know after a few weeks she was so into him he knew it he didn't have to go that route it's like he turned on a dime and and all of a sudden like uh, here I'm going to show you my actual nature, you know, like this is who I really am as opposed yeah. to, which is probably better for her in the long run, but still like the, the path there, like, dude, if you would have just been a decent person, it, you, it was an otherwise lovely evening, you know, like a few more of those. Yeah. And you may actually get something genuine, something real, but he's not interested in that because he's a fucking douche. So mm-hmm. I, and I'm not sad when he dies. I'm not, I'm not happy no. that he gets killed. You know, like, because that's more... I'm sad for her because she's, (laughs) like, she's upset about it because, like, she knows that, like, she took away his his will. Or, like, you know, she, her spell brought him to that. So, you know, she feels guilty and that's, that's what I feel bad about. Yeah, and I and I do actually even feel <laughs> I feel even worse for uh, not worse than Sarah, but worse than for him. <laughs> I feel worse for Nancy, just because like now she's crossed that you know that bridge or whatever that threshold, mm-hmm. and once you once you've drawn first blood, it's or I mean real blood because I mean she's already killed her or quote unquote killed her step. I mean that's kind of iffy, but like yeah. It's not it, it she's not down a good path from that moment. Oh, no. There's still kind of hope for her prior to that. Like I I feel like yeah. she's still straddling that selfishness and selflessness. I'm a friend kind yeah. of thing when she's hearing about what he put um uh, uh Sarah through and just like where is he? We got to get him. Still like I still feel there's some duality there, but then yeah. once he's dead, it's just like this is all about you, honey. I guess oh, like gosh. if I can make one more argument for Ray Saunders, is that yeah. his death brought 
uh, good fortune to the Downs uh, women. So, you know, they they got they collected on the life insurance and they moved on up in the yeah. world. They got out of that trailer. So that's, you know, like you can kill Chris and make Sarah feel terrible or you can kill Ray Saunders and give <laughs> Nancy and her mother the life that they've always deserved. Um, but it's interesting. We we chose the two people who did get killed in this movie because, I mean, other than the homeless man with the snake, right. I don't think anyone else uh, bit it. Um, I know people are going to be upset oh. that Laura Lizzie was not a nomination, but, you know. I mean, she's definitely on the roster, yeah. but the, the plain fact of the matter is, and, and I mean, I, I've, I've heard people in the past, like, you know, discuss, well, she feels bad. And I'm like, that's, that doesn't solve racism. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think that, I, that I doesn't think it was, undo the harm. It's that almost she like death is not a, a suitable enough punishment for her. Like she deserves to spend the rest of her, at least high school years, We'll get, throw more on top of that um, with her condition that uh, you know she she now has to live with. That's 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 that because that's like that goes into her like it eats into like you know her purpose and just like what her, what her power is in that high school and it's like takes it away from her. Well, also because like her actions are so minimal, like all she does is start talking in a moderately nicer tone to Rochelle <laughs> and the way Rochelle receives it. It's not like, oh, my gosh, she's actually being nice to me. It's like, yeah, what, what yeah. Are you, why are you talking to me decent all of a sudden? What changed? Oh, yeah. I know what changed. the only I guess like the thing that's upsetting is like, does that mean that since the magic doesn't work anymore or at least Rochelle's magic doesn't work anymore? Does that mean that like Laura Lizzie is fine now? See, this is why I want a requel because maybe Laura Lizzie is like still living in the same neighborhood or something when they all like, you know, hook it up. And maybe we can find out, did she change? Like, was she, does she know what a monster she was in high school? And is she like, you know, I don't know, like a, like, like an Elle Woods now? Like what, <laughs> like, or, or a Marsha Brady, you know, if you will, because Christine Taylor, Marsha Brady, that's the first thing I ever saw her in, I think. Or, well, no, because, I don't know. I forget what year the Brady Bunch movie came out, too. That was in the 90s sometime, but whatever. All right. Anyway, anyway. Uh, (laughs) So you can vote for Ray Saunders or you can vote for Chris Hooker. And that will be on Patreon if you are uh, supporting me there, Zach Cherry. Uh, you can also vote on our Instagram, that's at the Cherry Picker Pod, or you can vote on YouTube in the community tab, uh, the Cherry Picker. And if you are new to the Cherry Picker and you are listening to us, obviously go over to YouTube and subscribe and watch us there. And if you are watching us on YouTube, you can also listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. The RSS feed link is in the descriptions down below. Uh, and for Patreons, I do want to welcome one new Patreon member. So, so welcome aboard to Melissa. Thank you for for having us. Barrera? <laughs> Barrera? Hey, Barrera. I said Melissa. Barrera. Oh, Barrera? Isn't that her name? Isn't that Well, her that's name? Sam from, yeah. from the Scream movies, but that's, I don't. I I, oh, I, I, I think thought. that there's a lot of Melissas and um oh. and, and well and, we welcome Melissa Melissa whatever we'll find out what your last name thank is. you we'll for making that way. awkward for me though I appreciate <laughs> that uh, and I and I, I, I also bet, I bet you're even better than Melissa Barrera and we're just gonna there. keep digging that hole um, but I <laughs> also want to thank Andre Felix our 
editor who is going to be back very soon um, (gasps) as as a guest. Um, I won't reveal uh, what that's going to be yet. That'll that'll be the secret since you already know about Cruel Intentions. But speaking of Patreon and and Cruel Intentions, if you do want to support my Patreon uh, account, you can go to that. All tiers get you early access to the Cherry Picker episodes. And if you are subscribed to the Freddy Krueger tier, you will get access to the Cherry Picker After Dark, which is our monthly bonus episode. Just uh, reminding you again, this month it is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, but you will be able to go back and watch the first four as well. And next month is going to be Cruel Intentions, like I already mentioned. <laughs> so so get on board that. Lots of bonus Cherry Picker and Zach Cherry uh, content. But uh, other than that, Eddie, where can they find you on Soch? Wow, this one ran long. Um, yeah. I was just making it run longer. All you right. Are. Um, you can look for me on my social media platforms, which are on Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd. All of them. Edward is truth. Traditional spelling, all one word, no spaces. How about oh, you, God, that Zach? Was, that was gross. <laughs> um, Instagram. Retro bitch face, all one word. Letterboxed, Zach Cherry. I think there's two. Just go to the one that's more up to date. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Zach Cherry 8. And YouTube, Zach Cherry, Z A C K. Uh, what's going on next week? Do we didn't talk about it. Um, and, and I, I don't didn't know, look. Your, and your screen is frozen. So I'll just, I'll tell everyone <laughs> right now. It's the right. one where, you know, the, the school year is over and they're finished high school, but they get to party and it's disco themed because it's from <gasps> the 80s. And it has that lady who won an Oscar this Recently, year because she had hot dog fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And before that, she saw the cherry blossoms in Japan, and nobody wanted that to happen in hens. And yeah. Yeah. Um, this one is, uh, though, uh, Prom Night. Prom Night. Yeah. Uh, the original, not the, the, the Britney Snow oh, God. one. People were asking, uh, which one? It's just like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't the know. The one that's... Mm. I'm not ready to delve into remakes yet. Oh, not not quite yet. Not quite yeah. yet. Maybe um, uh, unless it's unless it's like House on Haunted Hill and Thirteen Ghosts, apparently. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that's Dark Castle. It's it, I know it. It's it's great. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and we will be right back. <laughs> <laughs>